Future Podcast. Your host is Albert Hernandez. This is his guest, Alan Emmerich from Victory Point Games. Albert, it's your show. Take it away. All right, so hi. Today I am talking to Alan Emmerich, uh, head guy from Victory Point Games. With What is your title? President? Chief? Um, Mr.? Owner? Owner. Publisher. <laughs> Publisher, okay. And hi, Alan. How are you doing today? Uh, you know, a little uh, cough in my voice. Sorry about that for the podcast, guys. You're coming in clear. Are you in sunny California or, or the other California? No, no. We're There's only sunny California anymore <laughs> no. with the drought. But we're in Southern California. We have a, a Harbor Boulevard address, the same as Disneyland. Ah, we're just like 8.2 miles south of Disneyland. Neat. Okay. That's a neat area. All right. So so we're here to talk today about Victory Point Games in general, yourself, and um, Nemo's War especially, because that's about to be kickstarted and might be going live as, as we speak already, based on the uh, the, pub- the release date of this episode. Okay. Which will probably be the 17th, I think, or 16th? I believe the Kickstarter for Nemo's War will launch on the 29th, between oh, okay. Christmas and New Year's. Oh, okay. Okay, so... So a little ahead of schedule. Excellent. So we'll be okay. Yeah. Excellent. So, so what do you do at Victory Point Games? Boy, there's a mystery. <laughs> uh, back when we first started, uh, I did pretty much everything. Uh, I started this company with my buddy, and <clears throat> he set up the manufacturing end in a spare room in his house. So he used to physically print out and assemble the games, and I did everything else. I did the website, the marketing, I did all the development, I did the graphics. You know, in the in the early bag game days, I did everything. Now, we got good people, people with talent who can do graphics and things like that, so I don't have to. And this was back in the like Israeli independence days? Right. These these are these are the back in my attic days. Um several years ago. So, yeah, and I had to do everything. I wasn't going to start the company if I couldn't do everything and guarantee every order would be fulfilled. So I did all the shipping. I was everybody. I was, ah, okay. Yeah, and, and on Saturdays, I used to have the, the kids come over and help me manufacture as well because we always needed more product. So <clears throat> who knew? Yep. <laughs> so I stayed okay. busy doing everything, and now I, uh, I, I pretty much focus on CEO kind of marketing things too. Excuse me. So, you know, that means helping nurse the nickels, which our, our, our chief financial officer really watches now, bless her heart. And thinking about where the company's going, steering stuff. But mostly I get to do uh, game development. When, when nothing's on fire around the office and there's not an emergency someplace, uh, then I do game development. And uh, the games I like to develop, of course, include solitaire games. Mm-hmm. Yay! All right. Okay. Now, are you a gamer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. I go way back. I got um, a flyer in the mail when I was 13. So this is way back in the early 70s from Simulations Publications Incorporated. Mm-hmm. There I am, bored teenager in what's middle school today and junior high school in those days. And uh, when you're a bored teenager, you open up your junk mail. I mean, that's the only mail you get, right? Mm-hmm. And it said, Strategy and Tactics Magazine, the military history magazine with, and then there's an ellipsis. And it's like, oh, military history, how boring is that? But when you opened up the flyer, it said with a game in it. 
And I thought, ooh, I like games. And uh, soon I was begging my uh, uh, mom to uh, help pay for a subscription to this outrageously expensive magazine. $5 an issue. Oh, my <laughs> God. You know, I think today it's like 35 bucks an issue. But anyway, back in mm-hmm. the 70s, 5 bucks was a lot of money. And uh, and that's got, got me started on the serious games, uh, our, our hobbies games. That was okay. my interest. Okay, and you do you like solo games also? Do you play those regularly, or well, I imagine in your role you don't have time to play anything regularly other than what you're developing. Uh, right, <clears throat> I play whatever is is on the table to be developed. Um, but we have other developers, and I can leap in and play their games as well. And there's a lot of solitaire games. In fact, this is news for your podcast listeners, so pay attention. Mm-hmm. We recently had. A company identity meeting, and what's working for us, and what you know, well, it came with a top-to-bottom physical review, and, and all these other things, a lot of introspective stuff. And one of the decision points made at that meeting is every game we publish, we're going to look for solitaire in it. If it's wow, okay. if it's a solitaire game, we'll look for multiplayer co-op. But if it's a if it's two or more players, we we really want to lock in the solitaire. We think that we can be branded, identified as a real solitaire gaming company. We support solitaire gaming, and we want that brand. So we're we're now kind of steering the boat more for uh, solitaire gaming. Okay, so you aren't going to specifically look for solitaire titles, but you want every title that can to include a solitaire option. Right. We're nice. always looking for that solitaire option, that solitaire variant, and it's it's got to be good. It's got to be Victory Point Games quality. So we're always looking. Okay, well that's really cool. That that's great news. The the more options we have, the better. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> now, so can, can you tell me about Victory Point's game now? Um, now I seem to remember it started somehow with teaching or something like that. And you know, I think I got all my information. I remember years ago I heard an episode of um, Point to Podcast, Point to Point Podcast, with okay. you in it. And and they were reviewing Israeli independence. Well, right across the street from our office is where I teach at the Art Institute of Orange County. Uh, Art Institute of California, Orange County chapter. Sorry, they have more than one in California. And I teach game design and survey of the game industry. And I teach project management uh, for, for game projects. So... I've been doing that for over 13 years at this school, about 16 years total up when you add in UC Irvine and uh, the teaches the college courses I taught at Stanford. So, yeah, all, all total, I've been doing this this for a while. And uh, it's good to have friends <clears throat> who are old-hand game designers that I can discuss syllabus with and, you know, get good ideas for. So it all it all came together pretty nicely. Yeah, okay. And so, but the Victory Point games is not part of the teaching at all. It's just well, goes hand in hand sort of. You know, it is because back when I started teaching, I'd send my students off to become interns and they'd go off to, you know, Blizzard or Electronic Arts or wherever they went off to, all kinds of places. I'd see them come back and I'd have to mark them, you know, no blood because they had it all sucked out of them. <laughs> and I'm thinking they're not learning a lot for what they're they're giving. So I started Victory Point Games 
so that they could help with everything. They could help with graphics. They could help uh, fill orders. They could help with the accounting. They could uh, help with the marketing. You know, a little company where you could wear a lot of hats and try a lot of things and find out what you like. So, yeah, I started it with, uh, with my buddy Vinny and a couple of students, and we're still here. Yeah, okay. Really cool. And are you teaching video game design or, or board mm-hmm. game design or both? Or what? Yes. Game design is game design. Video games or board games is just a platform you serve them up on. Like okay. One thing I've been wondering is, is I know with video games, I think they tend to sometimes follow like a story structure, right? Like a... Like the stories, you know, they they have the introduction and the peak and the climax and all that stuff. Sure. Do board games have that? Yes. But not like video games. Okay. In video games, you can shoebox the player in and kind of force them through some activities. You can be steered in a video game. Where in a board game... Players got a lot more capabilities to do what they want. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Board games are far more malleable in that regard. Now, what we do with some games is we actually build them in acts. Okay? For okay. example, Dawn of the Zeds, when you put the initial deck together for your game, you build it. Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, Act 4, and, uh, and then the finale card. So you will be playing a game and you'll see the rising action. Because mm-hmm. we could script about that much, but what the players do with it, you know, right, board yeah. games are tough, man. So the, the story could end in the first act, if you're not that good. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully not. <laughs> okay. Um, And so now, Victory Point Games has gold standard games, and they've got the older games that are not gold standard. Can you talk about the difference between those? Okay, I got Nathan Hansen oh, here, okay. uh, one of our BPG developers. So, look, he'll hey, help Nathan. Me. Hello. Um, okay, Red Banner Games is how we started. And I chose the Red Banner that you see over my shoulder here, except for you listening on the podcast, because this is a Skype call and there's video. Um, but the Red Banner Games are our original Ziploc bag games. And then we started to put games in boxes and we stuck with the red banner but people were confused is this a box game or is this a bag game so we turned on a gold banner for a, a, a new game that comes in a box so everyone went to a box had it had, it had counters laid with our counters all the source. all the box upgrades all the component upgrades we were able to do with time mm-hmm. okay so some of the new games you're also publishing where you could get it in a bag still though are those then red banner or are they still no, there's gold banner, but they're a bagged version of a gold banner game because you still got the yes. laser cut counters. The only yeah, thing so... you're missing is the mounted boards. Those don't yeah. work so well in the bags. Yeah, they're not in room. <laughs> gotcha, okay. And now we've got a third moniker, a third ID, which you can uh, see on the start of the Zeds box. That's the, what is it, Premier Line? Prestige Line? Uh, I think it's, we're going with the Premier Line. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, it's uh, got a yeah. high-class name. But it's basically anything we produce out of house. Right, the stuff that's manufactured, you know, overseas. Gotcha. Okay. So, so those are not print-on-demand then at all? Mm-mm. No. Okay, but the those other stuff is... The so. traditional way, and they'll be out of print some at some point. Okay. 
Will will do you expect those would eventually then go onto print on demand, downgraded from a that standard to the gold standard? Well, <clears throat> you know there is a bridge in our future that we will cross one day when the game goes out of print. Okay. Where we have to decide: do we try and raise more money and do a new printing, or do we take a step back and just start making it print on demand? That's not a decision that's been made yet. Yeah, okay. we don't have to make that decision today, and we need to see what the history of selling these overseas printed games is like before we decide what the future is going to yep. be. Okay, cross that bridge when you get there. That's right. All right, so so I think your your first solo title was uh, Israeli Independence. Is that true? Oh yes. Okay. Uh, there's a cute story about that. So this game was turned in. With no playtest kit, no components, no nothing. It was a, a it was a word document oh, wow. file, and that's all there was for Israeli independence. And it would, came from Darren Leveloff, who you know I've known from game conventions and stuff. But he said he'd been teaching this in uh, in Hebrew school. You know, this is just a little something that he could do for the class and the kids. And I looked at, it, I said, well, man, that won't take me too long to to develop. I bet I can get this game done this week. And uh, sure enough, a week later, we had a prototype on the table, and my my buddy Vince that we started the the business together with, he looked at it and he played it, and he said this game is over in ten minutes. I said, yeah, and he said it is a solitaire game. We don't make solitaire <laughs> games. Who's going to buy a solitaire game? And I said, Vinny, look, it's not a big investment to take chances on this. Let's give it a try. And I got him on board because he actually did the map. I didn't have to do the map. He did the first Israeli independence map. And we put it out there, and it became States of Siege game number zero. Darren was so excited about its success, he did an expansion kit and a follow-up game, Soviet Dawn. And that was richer with more decisions. Mm, okay. okay. <coughs> and then at some point you decided to, to continue the series. Well, was at that point... The mm -hmm. Soviet Dawn, we gave the yeah. series a name. Yeah, that was technically Station one, right? Yeah. That was that was where I said, you know, for marketing purposes, for branding purposes, we need a name for this kind of game. So I called it States of Siege, you know, holding the center against all comers and like that. Yep. Okay. And that, so Soviet Dawn was States of Siege number one. We already had Israeli independence branded as a battle lesson game. I guess. Yeah. So it is like branded battle lesson. Okay, and, and so so you guys publish a lot of solo games. Is that intentional, or did that just sort of you guys stumble across that? Well, we stumbled across the first one. Yep. But uh, after the success of Soviet Dawn, we kind of looked at each other and said, you know, we we might have a tiger by the tail here. It's certainly intentional at this point. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I think oh. after that was uh, Joe Miranda did Zulus on the Ramparts. He got inspired by Soviet Dawn. And Zulus on the Ramparts, you know, won Charles Roberts Awards, and it's still one of our top-selling games. Ah, okay. Like I say, my favorite is uh, Levy en Mass. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but that's that's the one. Levy en Mass. And that's uh, John Welch did that. That was his first States of Siege game for us. And, uh yeah, I, I still like that one a lot. I can't wait to put that in a box and get that in stores. Yep, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Now, now at the point where you were getting that one published, I think people were coming out of the woodwork with States of Siege games for you. Is that true? That, that's what it seemed like. 
every game for yes, us. Yes, we, we get a lot of submissions. But yeah, we yeah. don't have to sit down and say, we need a game like this and design it. I mean, yeah, but we do get a lot of submissions. Pretty long list of pending yeah. ones. A lot of, lot of okay. solid tickets. The cool thing about the States of Siege mm-hmm. engine is it's like having vanilla ice cream in a Sunday making contest. You know? Everybody can put anything on top of a States of Siege game idea. And there have been so many innovations in States of Siege designs, new ways to approach things. And, I mean, you look at uh, some of the recent ones like Cruel Necessity and stuff, and, you know, there's a tactical battle board. And what I really like about Cruel Necessity are the um, achievements. It's kind of what I call a quest system. You can play the game, but here's these three achievements up here you really want to get. And if you can work hard enough in the game and manipulate everything in order, then you can try and claim that achievement. And those are permanent victory points that God himself cannot take away from you. And you want those, but they're hard to get. Okay, yeah, I haven't tried that game yet. I really should. It sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. That game. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that, that that was a lot of development, but it turned out really, really well. Nice, okay. And... So now you guys have recently dropped some games from your your line. I know you dropped the Sultan Galactus Prime and I think some others. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's the reason behind that? It, it I mean it, it doesn't cost you anything to keep it on there, right? Well, yes and no. It's <laughs> good answer. <laughs> um, it doesn't cost anything to have the files around. It's true, but it's uh, switching from the orders for those games were reduced enough that it was costing time switching from one game to another in production. So it, it it does cost time to change up what you're doing. So, mm, I see. And when sales get down to to a point where you're looking at a handful a year, yeah, one or two a year, it's like, okay, that's... Then, then it's not worth switching the gears on the engine to 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 do that. And honestly, we have so many SKUs, you know, mm-hmm. so many so many titles. It's just mind-boggling to keep them all you know, built and in stock and ready and stuff. It's like, ah, oh, this isn't badness. So we're just, and, and every six months or so, we purge off another handful of titles of the, the really slow selling stuff. And we'll be doing that again in January. Okay. It's, you know, it's, new stuff is all, we're always adding new stuff, man. Right, yeah. yeah. Plus, plus our catalog is getting large enough that it's hard to filter and find what you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. How many titles do you guys have now? Do you know offhand? I wouldn't be surprised. Well over a hundred. I'm not sure how, how far. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's creeping up on two hundred. Yeah. If it weren't for the purchase, pretty... I'm sure we'd have hit it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go and count them after this. We'll see. Okay. Uh, um. <laughs> all right. So, so I have a bunch of questions here written down for you guys, and we sort of already stumbled across this next section, which is the states of siege. Right? Can you tell us about the series? And you have. Okay. Um. How big is the series? Um. About ten, twelve games now. Yeah, we stopped numbering individual games. That became a, a hopeless cause. It's all over a dozen. It's, it's over a dozen. I'm not sure. How far. Okay. Hey, there will be more. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I bet. Do you have any plans for any Lovecraftian ones? Any Lovecraft? Well, yeah. you know, since Lovecraft went into the public domain and nobody has to pay to use that license anymore, every game seems to be Lovecraft. But no, I, I don't have any. Nothing to design yeah, if you're going to design one. I you would know, if I had the time. Yeah, we'll, we'll be waiting forever if it's up to me, unfortunately. Oh, well. <laughs> you better find a friend who who's, likes States of Siege games and can use them as a model 
to create a new All right. HP Lovecraft design. Yep, I'm I'm sure there, there's somebody thinking of it already. It seems like uh, Cthulhu is the new zombie. Well, we, let's because just, you can do it legally now. Yeah, because it's free <laughs> now. That's that's what happened. Yeah. But uh, we publish a lot of first-time designers, and States of Siege is a good game entry engine yes. to use. We got a, some real solid engines here that people use for their first-time designs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, you'd think after a dozen games it would start getting stale, but it doesn't. There's no. so, many, so many ways to use it, and it's always fresh. Yeah, the designers add their own. The core is nice and stable and strong, <coughs> so anything you add on top of that is just make sure that thing you add on top works. So. Tell mm-hmm. them about the game we were playing yesterday. At, uh, uh, Federation? Yeah, Federation yeah. is solved. Uh, I'm working on a state of siege, but uh, I've completely gotten rid of cards. So it's hmm. really dice-driven, and it's got resource management as far as your instead of getting you know, cards to have the actions that you get. I've gotten rid of that entirely, and it's based on resource management and how you roll to get resources coming in and how many turns away you're going to have them. And so it's a lot of planning on, on that front. And it's uh, instead, so because there's no deck card, instead of playing to the end of the deck, it's you have an objective yet to achieve to end the game. And your government can collapse and you can get beat up by aliens. and uh, but it's uh, Now we had Federation Assault on a table yesterday at an unpub event in northern San Diego County. Mm, okay. And it got a lot of passers-by asking how many players. Yeah, right. It was like, only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of them were shocked to find out that it was a solitaire game. Gotcha. So, so you just... They were interested. Yeah. But they were okay. surprised as well. Okay. So you guys are, oh. are almost ready to publish, or not publish, I guess, but release uh, Dawn of the Zeds, right? And that came out as a solitaire game and now supports more players. Right. So that that's a different approach to what you told me earlier, where you're going to focus on making sure every game has solitaire player. Are you going to focus on making sure some of these solo games also include multiplayer? Well, if it, where, if where it works. for the game. Yeah. I mean, the game has to come first. Okay. So, uh, but Dawn of the Zeds um, was already a solid, that. solitaire game in its second edition. And the challenge for the third edition, uh, a gauntlet I picked up, was how do we get multiplayer in this? And after a couple of false starts, uh, which poor Nathan had to help playtest, uh, I think I got it dialed in uh, really nicely. The, the co-op game works really good because yeah. uh, it's... it's um, imagine two hands pressing against each other, but if they press against each other with equal force, it stays in the middle. If one hand has all the force and the other has none, it's going to just fall off so you don't want that you want your pressure and the zed's pressure to always be even so your hands stay pressed together in the middle and i that was the challenge how do you do a co-op game where the zeds get pissed off that there's more human players out there Mm, so got that dialed in and it works really nice and then on top of that we came up with a versus game which I love zombies. <clears throat> yeah, included in Dawn of the Sets. And it, yeah, it's interesting. Everybody who plays the versus game really likes being the bad guys. So there you go. Interesting. The, the okay. neat thing about uh, the versus game is both sides feel that they're constantly being screwed and they have no chance of winning at all times. Oh, that's a good game then. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I like. Nice. Okay. Do you, do you want to say anything else about Dawn of the Zeds? We, we've talked about the game in the show in the past. Uh, but... The Kickstarter was in the summer. We just got the print proof copy, and we did a little un- faux unboxing video of the print proof copy mm-hmm. to show what's inside. 
And we're thrilled with um, how it came out in the end from the printer. I mean, we're not sending them a hell of a lot of corrections. You know, we're talking about there's angels few, on the head man. of a pen. There's a few and some of are minor. I'm not sure we're going to ask that. Yeah, yeah. We, like, some corrections are so small, it's like if they make the correction, they could do harm. So, you know, <laughs> so we're just, we'll let that one slide. But Okay. But, yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's really good looking. And <clears throat> so now, uh, not wasting any time and knowing that Dawn of the Zeds is a, could be a good franchise. Uh, I swept up all the material on the warehouse floor and manufactured some new stuff, a couple of new systems, and there will be an expansion kit. Wow, okay. That uh, we currently have in alpha testing right now. So lots of new heroes and things. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Card game. Oh, very oh yeah, and, and I'm going to make a little dinky uh, card game. Oh, uh, that's okay. solitaire. You uh, slap that on the table, and there you go. You're off to the races. Yeah. Sticky cards, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Neat. Okay. So so for those of us that didn't back uh, Dawn of the Zed, when will it be available retail? Uh, we don't know. This is our first trip to China. So, depends on okay. how long it takes to get it printed and here. We don't know that okay. yet. We haven't, we haven't been on this boat before. Gotcha. Okay. And so... uh, we, we hear all kinds of horror stories about, oh, there's a dock strike. And your games are going to be delayed. You know, it's like you roll on some table to see when you get your games. So we haven't but rolled I on the table. Probably first quarter. First yeah. Quarter. Okay. That's probably. I'm not going to get any more stupid than that, though. Yeah, no. We, we figure it should be on the presses before the end of the year, like right at the end of the year, and then uh, they gotta assemble it and shrink wrap it and put them in cartons uh, and stick them on a boat and. You do have the holiday coming up. Customs too, forms and. Uh, yeah. And Chinese New Year's coming up, and they, they close up for we'll, a month for that. We'll Chinese New Year. Yeah, we should we'll be okay with that. Nemo might run into that. I don't know. Nemo probably will. Poor Nemo. Poor, yeah, poor Nemo. Um, all right, so so talking about Nemo. Um, wait, so this is a game that was published a few years ago already. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Wait, before actually, before I talk about Nemo... You mentioned you did the full unboxing video the other day for for Dawn of the Zeds. Zeds. Yeah. And I'll include a link for that. But how full was it? I mean, it wasn't shrink wrap. Did you guys have to re-shrink it? Yeah, we got a shrink wrap machine. Oh, okay. Every every retail store has got a shrink wrap machine to fix, you know. Okay. I, I, was, I was wondering when I watched it, actually. I'm glad I could ask you about that. So it's a little behind the scenes here. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, we wanted to set it up to look like an unboxing, but we were right up front and said, this is a press-proof copy. This yeah. is a full unboxing. But this is what our experience was opening the game. Okay. Um, all right, so Nemo's War. So I just saw a pre-production copy there. That looks really nice. It's not the final artwork. Yeah, well, we're getting to the final artwork. I mean, a lot of it's in here, but more is coming. Okay. And it's going to have our biggest board, and it'll be mounted, of course, because we're printing it in China, so it'll all look great. Um, but the board is 17 by 33. That Sounds right. right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. It's a big board. <laughs> and there's yeah, lots of uh, lots of tokens, lots of cards. The neat story behind that is uh, over a year ago, I think, I talked to the designer, who's Chris Taylor. He's just a genius. And I said, uh, well, let's do a second edition of Nemo's work. And he said, I really don't have time to be on this project. I'm really busy with my other stuff. This Chris Taylor's the guy who worked on the original Fallout and still makes computer games and stuff. And uh, he said, but Alan, I know how 
special this game is to you. And he says, it's also special to me, but I'm trusting you to take good care of it and just do whatever you need to do. And, uh, you know, keep me in the loop, but do what you need to do. <coughs> well, I did. I uh, played this game a ton. And there were always things that struck me as a little like raspberry seeds in your teeth that you just want to pick out. And I fixed every system, streamlined everything. This game is so much smoother now, the way turns work, the way actions work. And then to run into Ian O'Toole. Ian O'Toole is the artist, uh, graphic and illustration for this game. And this is his passion project. I mean, we are not paying him enough to do this game. There's just, we can't pay any artist enough to do <laughs> what the work they do for a board game. But Ian especially. And the quality of his stuff, when we had this game ready to go, and we were going to print it on demand, and then Ian's art arrived, we built a copy of the game on demand with Ian's art, and we shook our heads and said the art is too good for our manufacturing process. We have got to kickstart this game and get it in the nice box with the mounted board and do all of that stuff. And uh, so poor Ian, he's been rejiggering the pieces so they can be die cut instead of laser cut. And, and now because it's going to be kickstart, we need stretch goals. Well, I had a lot of stuff that didn't make the game. And I said, well, time to develop that. Let's, let's get on the, okay. get on the ball. And uh, we even got a 3d model Nautilus from Ian. We said, wow. we can make a, our first miniature. Ooh, the Nautilus. <laughs> and uh, so that's a stretch goal, too. So we're getting oh, the hang cool. of this now. Okay, I'm really looking forward to that. I saw I saw a picture of the cover, I guess, on BGG, and that's that just amazing. That re that really... That's that's all he's Yeah, Ian's art is absolutely stellar. He's pretty unbelievable. Wow, he's just so good. <clears throat> and now with all the, the stretch goals, there's cool stuff, gameplay stuff. And, ah, you're just... Wow, okay. <gasps> we forgot to make the gems a stretch goal. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Don't let me forget. So, the, this, the, these little gemstones for Nemo's yeah. War? Yeah. Well, you need smaller A, smaller ones, and B, they need to be a stretch goal. So I got to put them in the stretch goal list and let Dion know. Sorry, a little behind the scenes stuff here. Awesome. On how Kickstarters are done. You know, you got to. Seat of the pants. Stretch goals. Right. <laughs> so now I think we're going from. 14 to 15 stretch goals or something. We'll figure it out. Okay. It'll all be there on the 29th of December. Okay, when so it starts the 29th, started. right yeah. before the end of the year. And when does it end? Is it 30 days? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 30 days okay. after that. I don't have a good date. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, we need to sell about X number of copies to pay for the printing bill. And then after that, they start hitting stretch goals and we get to print more right. copies. So okay. It's great for everybody. I'll be following that for sure. All right, so so I did cover this game way back in episode twenty, which is probably like mid two thousand twelve. Okay. Um, and I guess listeners could go back and listen to all that if, if they want to get details about the older version of the game. I, I personally will not go back and listen to myself that early on because I'm sure that was a horrible show back then. Just the quality was so bad. I'm still not that great. <laughs> but um, can you tell us really quickly what the game is like? Sure. Super fantasy. Uh, in Nemo's War, you must channel your inner Nemo. You are going to pilot the Nautilus around the world on the one-year uh, adventure, as described in Jules Verne's 
20,000 leagues under the seas. And every event card is like something right out. It's a chapter title from Jules Verne's book. It's, it's an amazing encounter. And now with the Kickstarter and the stretch goals, there's even some contemporaneous historical events that we can send Captain Nemo off to and to deal with. So, <laughs> oh, neat. Okay. Uh, yeah, the game has got <clears throat> capital H history. Uh, I pegged a year for the for the voyage and found uh, a good mix of ships and events that all tie in. Uh, I'm a history guy, so I, the history's right. And Ian, bless his heart, he hand illustrated every ship counter in this game, and there are a lot of them. Wow! And each one is beautifully individually hand illustrated. I mean, it's just amazing all to see unique. the board. Yeah, all unique. Are these historical ships also, or, or just yeah. made up? Oh, wow. absolutely, man. Except for some things that Chris wanted added, such as a sea monster, mm, okay, and uh, and an, a French airship. They were oh, working okay. on making it. They had balloons all over, but they were working on their first airship. And I thought, well, we'll just push that out a couple of years, so it can be in the game. But uh, yeah, so it's it's all right. Those were all actual ships that were tootling around back in those days. Wow, okay, neat. So so what's now different in the new edition from the older edition? The the art obviously. Right. You should, you said you changed all the systems thing. around? Um most of them they're all streamlined now. Things okay. are much much smoother. Your turn okay. goes by considerably quicker and you have a much better handle on your decision making. It uh it sticks in your brain a lot better now. It doesn't feel as wargamey, it feels a little more, I don't know, Ameritrash? Yeah, Ameritrash. So, okay. yeah. Um, and and it's smooth, and everything's integrated, and you understand what's going on and why. It just it plays really great. And you get four real games now in the box, because Nemo's got mm-hmm. four different motives. And each motive alters the victory condition and therefore alters your play style. Okay. So it's like it's tantamount to getting four games in the box, and it really is. Wow, wow, cool. But, um, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Nemo has been put through a lot of paces. We um, one of the the trouble areas in the old edition was incitement and mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting things to happen. Well, now in the new version, incitement happens in specific areas that are named. You can see that this one is the, you know, the Abyssinian Wars or the Diamond Mines of South Africa. There's all kinds of places where you put an incitement cube. When you place an incitement cube, that's good because it actually lowers your notoriety by one. It distracts the imperial powers because you lit a fire somewhere that they have to deal with. But God help you if there's ever a lull in the action because the imperial powers will use that lull to crush your incitements. Wow, okay. It's very cool. Man, I can't wait to try it. This. <laughs> this sounds so awesome. It really does. <clears throat> um, all right. So you already told me about the art. You told me about the campaign a bit. You know, that was all the questions I had about uh, Nemo's, Nemo's War. Well, now the next thing is <clears throat> somebody posted a thought bubble mm-hmm. forum post on BGG saying, can I play this with my wife? And somebody else said, well, you know, you just kind of play together and make decisions. And I'm thinking, well, geez, I wonder if there's a co-op game. And so I wrote a post back. I said, well, in theory, you could do a co-op game this way. And by the time I was finished writing it, I'm thinking, damn, that's pretty good. we got to test that out. 
So I got all the rules right here. We just need to set up the game and, and play test it and see if there's actually a co-op game we can we can toss in the in the rule book. It's not a lot of wow, rules, okay. so it, it looks pretty easy. Nice. Okay. The 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 event cards are. I think before it was one per chapter, if I remember right. Right, and is it's that still, still true? Yeah, all of those cards are there, <clears throat> but having uh, now much more familiarity with Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea than I did when I previously developed it. Uh, there are a lot of other cards, like I said, with related historical events, and that's the kind of art that Ian is doing. So I mean, you can wow, see. that's pretty. The guy is no slouch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now you can run things that happened historically. And there's some things I found in the book that said, oh man, that should be a card. So when you see it now, you'll find a lot of new stuff. A lot of new stuff. Uh, beyond the base game plus expansion. That you're getting in the box for sure on the Kickstarter. And all the new stuff is stretch goals. And there's plenty of it. Including no, new Nautilus upgrades. And it's just craziness. It's, you, you, you're going to have a lot of fun. Have you settled on the price yet? Uh, that is pending getting the actual price from the printer, so we can actually okay. figure that out. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we, we have, have a rough estimate, but we can't. Yeah. I don't gotcha. Yep. I mean, we'll I nail understand. it. When you see the Kickstarter, you'll know that ten minutes before it launched, we finally figured out the price. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ten minutes before. I bet. Yeah. Man. Um, so, so I bet you you have everything from the books, probably upset all the marine biology that's in the books. Oh my God. I learned more <laughs> about fish than I ever wanted to know. Yeah. But yeah, but <clears throat> much of what's in the books, plus things that happened historically. For example, you know, there was a, a Ming dynasty treasure fleet that was hmm. lost. Um, there's a whole history about that. There's also the Korea incident that occurs at this time. Uh, in addition to sending the Great White Fleet over to Japan to open up trade with the Japanese, the Americans also sent a fleet over to Korea, which uh, was far less successful. But that's something that Captain Nemo would have been very interested in had he been in the Pacific at that time. So, I mean, there's there's things like that going on. There's a Germany can declare war in one of the Kickstarter cards, which uh, which gives you some cover because now there's naval war on the high seas because, you know, Germany is stirring the pot and you can use that to your advantage. You know, just things like that that are going on in the world. Neat. Those okay. are additional cards from Stretch Goals. Now, are these going to be available to everybody or some some of this uh, Kickstarter exclusive? Tell them our policy name. We don't do gameplay mechanic stuff as Kickstarter exclusive. So if it's FX gameplay, it won't Kickstarter exclusive. It's going into the box for everybody. Right. Cool, okay. Nobody should be denied all of the gameplay. Mm -hmm. I mean, we might do, like, for Kickstarter, what we need, yeah, custom yeah, we, dice. Yeah, we might do, like, like, something that doesn't affect gameplay. So, like, for Wings of the Baron, we can be experimenting with playing with uh, little pens for people who, at the at BGG, they, if they play, we might do stuff like that. Little things that don't affect gameplay, but are cool. <laughs> but, okay. In Zed's, yeah. we got a, a little uh, cloth bag. That you can yeah. mix your Zeds up in. And you don't need it for the game. You can use it up. Yeah. But so that gives you an idea. I mean, we're just little so, stuff like that might be a Kickstarter deal, but mm -hmm. no gameplay stuff. That's okay. Right. Okay, cool. Um, I don't have anything else about that. Um, so what, what else do you have planned for the future that you could talk about, obviously? Do we have a future? <laughs> just check. <laughs> 
Yes, we have a future. Yay! Hopefully it's a good one. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, for Solitaire Games, we'll get Empires in America out, and uh, The Chosen Few. Yeah, Chosen Few should be real soon. <clears throat> uh, Chosen Few is game one of my designs. It's a Basically, the Chosen Reservoir Battle in Korea, uh, 1950. It's uh, mm -hmm. kind of a Euro-y take on a war game. Mm -hmm. uh, in that, it, everything's driven with cubes. So there's the... Uh, you have order cards. So you have These are the orders you have to accomplish that are just in place until something comes up to make them go away. And if you... And then there's three of those. There are different major orders they got during the, during the battle. And... Uh, each turn you draw a card and it tells you where to place new cubes and which color of cubes are going to advance. And the board has a bunch of arrows, which tells you how things move and actually makes it move very accurately what happened historically, where the Marines get surrounded and it's... Yeah, basically, at the Battle of Chosin, you, you got two pieces that are you. You got the Marines yeah. and you got the Army. Yeah. And basically, you're in deep kimchi. Hmm. Because the, the Chinese never stop, and I haven't yeah. seen too many wins in that game. It's probably about a 95% loss rate, which only wow, goes okay. to how amazing what they really did was. Because I, I try to push that as, as the idea, just amazing what they did. Because they were outnumbered. It was like 2,000 U.S. troops to like 20,000. It was it was ridiculous wow. outnumbered. It was, they should not have survived, but they so, pushed through. So that's a that's a solitaire game that's in the hopper. <clears throat> uh, Empires in America, the the new mm -hmm. edition, we're we're cleaning it up with all new art and uh, <laughs> got some uh, new rules and stuff to uh, that have been tied. It's kind of neat to go back over one of our older solitaire games, and I read all the forum posts in BGG and Constant World. And anybody who discussed something that I needed to look at the game, well, this isn't clear. I have a question about that. All I did was copy and paste at the back of the rules. And then I sat there with all of the comments that are relevant to the rules. And I went through line by line in the rules. Okay, this guy's comment. Now let me go look at the rule. What do I need to change? How do I make work? Does this need an example? And I got to do it to really tighten the rules. So I'm, I'm really proud of how that came out. And then I put the rules up about a month ago. For rules testing, you know, hmm, okay. uh, tell me what's wrong with these rules, guys. And, and sure enough, you know, some people really poured over them and chimed in. And, and I think we're getting a really good tight rule book out of doing this uh, second pass. This is a good way to do things. I, I'll do that again. So um, nice. Okay. But we'll be sending off proof test copies this week uh, so people can play with their actual components and then tell me what's wrong. You know, the physicality. Uh, the little text on the cards. They'll get a chance to look at everything. So that's Empires in America. That'll be a boxed edition. <clears throat> what other solitaire games? Um, David Kennedy has a lot of solitaire Yeah, games. he's working on uh, Hagia Sophia. Right. The uh, Fall of Constantinople. What's that, 1455 hmm. or something? Something like that, yeah. But, and, uh, uh, and he had um, Blood Red Banner. Yeah, he's second working on edition. another dish, Blood Red Banner. Right. And and I'm anxious to redo Heroes of Weehawken. I've got another game to bundle that with. So Hero of Weehawken is a um, solitaire game about the Aaron Burr conspiracy. Where okay. you were President Jefferson trying to sort that mess out. Good luck. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, you guys have so much, such a big bad catalog, and it sounds like you're trying to get them all printed eventually. We would like that. Neat. 
Do do you, so so one of my personal favorites. Do you have any plans yet for Disaster in the Himalayas series? Oh, uh, I, don't, I I believe so. It's on our list of things that we want to box. Not every old bag game is on the list to be boxed. Okay. Uh, we were handed a list of best-selling bag games. Yeah, it, from it's the on the list of things we know we want to do, but it's not like no developer. Yeah, it's, assignment it's yet not on a it's, burner it's, right now. But okay. it's, it's on our list of games we want to box. Okay. I will keep waiting. So, um, um, there's only so much man hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Because along with that, you're making all these other new games, too. Yes. Well, <laughs> and this is what we found out. Mm-hmm. It takes just as long and just as much work and just as much expense to upgrade an old game to a second edition than it does to create a new game in its first edition. Mm-hmm. There is, like, no say. You think, oh, well, you just do, and yeah. you put it out in a box. Boy, how wrong can you be? You've got to look at every component. You've got to check everything. You've got to retest it. It's just like doing a new game. That's because you guys are doing it right. You're not just saying, oh, we'll just change the art and publish it again as it was. Right. Yeah, and that, that takes effort. Yeah, no, everything's on the table. If it can be improved, we want it. How do I phrase this? We always want to do what's best for the game. Because mm-hmm. we love the game. Right, and it makes sense. I mean, if you're going to spend the time to, to redo it, you may as well really redo it. And that totally makes and, sense. Uh, and I think that's a good thing, but it irritates a lot of customers who feel like, oh, now i got to buy it again. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> the game you bought is perfectly fine. You don't have to. You have an option that it's, you can. Yeah, the table, it's not really the same game. Yeah. So, yeah. It's okay. similar, but it's not the same game. So uh, that that's our customer's <laughs> dilemma. And, and actually, yeah. that's a good dilemma to have, that you've got a really good game and should I upgrade a lot of people didn't jump on Dawn of the Zed's third edition because they say, I really like the second edition. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But once the third edition is out there and your buddy gets it and it's on the table and he invites you over to play co-op, I think you're going to want the third edition. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, especially if you could play co-op. That's right. Or And versus. And versus, yep. <laughs> that's neat. So. Okay. Um, Julie is my co-host. He couldn't make it today, but he asked me to ask about one other game, which is Renegade. Uh, uh, I think he yes. might be playtesting that one. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Where's Renegade right now? I think it's, it's done. In, it's in the art department. Yeah, it's just an art. It's it's done from a development standpoint. And, you know, it's it's just got to get to the art department. And uh, okay. the artist on that is... And there's a lot of art. <laughs> the artist on that is uh, Clark Miller, who's our in-house artist who did the covers for, like, you know, in the cards for Darkest Night. Yeah. And... Uh, he did the cover for Zulu's on the ramparts. Uh, okay. So yeah, and the counters and stuff. So. And what's this game about? I don't know anything about Renegade. Oh, okay, Renegade is basically <laughs> each player is uh, playing a, and it's, it's not solitaire, but I think you can play it solitaire maybe. But yeah, I don't remember. Each player is basically a hacker who's trying to hack into the node system in order to to get to accomplish something, get something done. But you're controlling. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but it, it, you're hacking, essentially. <laughs> right. But mechanics work work within a little bit of abstraction of that. This is cooperative, right? Yes, it is completely cooperative. Yeah. It's got some deck-building aspects to it. Mm-hmm. I remember um, that. And we have it. It's it, it, There's different AI systems, so based on what you... Which, yeah, you so, so I don't remember exactly where we left off. It's probably okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with it. 
Do you have any closing words, Alan? You were asking oh, about future plans. Oh, yes. We talked about some of the games in the queue. Yes, we talked about games in the queue, and you told me stuff. Mm. I don't remember exactly where we left off. I think that's okay. Okay. Um, great. Well, well, thank you very much, Alan, for, for taking the time to talk to me. I know you're a busy guy, so I'll let you go. Do you have any, any closing words? Well, first, thank you, Albert, for having me on this great podcast. Um, I think when you consider all the games that are out there, and I was just in a big game store yesterday and was looking at all the games on the shelf, this is definitely a golden age for board games. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's all dross. I mean, you used to get maybe two or three good games a year surrounded by a bunch of really mediocre and some bad ones. Uh, there's a lot of good games coming out all the time now. And I'm really proud of the reviews that we're getting, the word of mouth that we're getting. It's not like we can afford any real advertising, so we live by reviews and word of mouth advertising. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> that Victory Point Games uh, has a slot in the shelf of a player's mind once they learned about us. Um that makes me feel good. That's that's all the work worth it. Okay. Cool. Th- thank you very much. No problem. Hope to hear from you again. We're always around. Awesome. We're back. No take backsies. <laughs> Welcome back. And now you're stuck here for the next uh, hour and a half or two, or however long this takes us. <laughs> oh, I don't think it'll take us that long. I mean, it's only 200 games. That's, that's 200, we're not, it's only 500 games. games. 500 games? 500. How many is on this list? So in case you don't know, what we're going to be covering now is the top 100 players' choice solo games for 2015. And uh, we've mentioned this before. We've talked about having voting open. Albert, did you vote? I did vote. I voted uh, about a month ago. Good lad. Yep, yep. It, it was it was fun voting. You know, I I went through it and I picked a bunch of games, probably like thirty, and then I had to figure out ten to take off the off that list. And mm. That was fun. All I find right. it very difficult for me to vote on my top list. I have ones that I like and ones that I don't. But of the ones that I like which one is better than the other for me just tends to change upon what it is that I want at the moment. So I can't, so I just sort of put them all, all this even ranking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know some folks go, went through and, and played all their games to, to decide which ones they want to rank and whatnot. I did not put that much effort into it and I feel bad. <laughs> I, wish, about, I wish I had time for such things. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel bad because my ranking was very touchy feely. So this is a great game. I'm going to call it number seven. Because that. This one's not so good. I'm gonna call it number eight. Cool beans. <laughs> so on. Um, yeah, in the end, because in the end, it doesn't matter a whole lot in theory, right? Because there's so many votes, and I think the general area that it falls in, you know, stuff that falls higher, stuff that falls low, that matters more than the specific number you give it. I think. Thumbs up or thumbs down for me. That that tends to be what my rankings go for things. Okay. So, do you rank games a one and a ten on BGG, and that's it? Uh, I usually don't rank <laughs> games on BGG. 
Um, every once in a while, people will give me enough incentive to do it, such as, you know, when a designer pesters me to go and rank a game on BGD multiple times, then I will go ahead and rank it. But otherwise, it either is ranked because it's still in my own pile, or it's ranked because it's now in my for trade, for sale, <laughs> for not wanting to keep pile. And those are those are the only ranking I have of good and bad. Okay. I used to rank my games. I haven't done it in ages and ages. I feel bad about it. Oh, well. Too much effort. Yeah. Too much effort. Mm-hmm. There's enough other people that do such things. Yeah. If I feel real strong about a game, I'll rank it. But otherwise, I just don't remember. Well, the only games I feel really strongly about are ones that I've done, you know, intense playtesting about, like Dark Moon or ashes or um bard's quest or these sort of things and so the ones that i've done a lot of playtesting on you know i feel bad almost breaking them because obviously it's a 10 it's great i worked on it you know mm-hmm, yeah 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 okay, absolutely <laughs> all right so so these 519 games should we just ignore a couple hundred of them you don't want to start at 520 <laughs> we promised them would be done ones. in under two hours right well, listen, I can just go through real quick, and then here, I'll start. <gasps> no, I can do that. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> How quickly can you say 500 games? Not quickly enough. Not quickly enough. I'm almost a little tempted to stand here and say them all, and then put it at like three times speed. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the list will be available to everybody, so so folks can go and, and check it out on their own later. That's not nearly as much fun. That's not. If you'd like to do it, go ahead, but do speed it up after. <laughs> no, thank you. So let's skip up to number 100. Okay, let's do that. So starting with number 100, now that these most of these have already been published, I believe that we only have the last 20 for our grand reveal. But let's go ahead and mention what the top 100 are, just for those who are interested, and maybe just a brief summary of what each one is. For those of us that we can actually talk about. Because I don't think we've played all of the top 100. Mm-mm. Or at least... I don't know most of them. You don't know most of them. Well, let's see how many we can name between us. Number 100, Fleet. You know Fleet? I own it. You own it? I, I own it. I think I've tried it once. Tried half it, a time. Uh, you've tried it a half a time. What's it about? Yeah. I know it's about crab fishing. Yes, it's about fishing. It's about fishing in the Arctic. That's as much as I know. And it's a card, a hand management game, and your cards are both your resources and your currency. And the fact that you've tried it a half a time is due to... I wanted, I was a little confused when I read it and tried to play it. I want to go back and try again. I just haven't had time. I do want to go back. Number 99, Dungeons Dragons Castle Ravenloft board game. Yep. that I got that one. That's a good one. Yep. I like the D&D games, yeah. Just, Have you played any uh, of those? I've played the Descent, the Descent games, and to my understanding, it's very similar, right? I don't think so. Like, Descent, it, there's a scripted quest, right? And, and there's one person that's uh, the dungeon master or whatever, and he has the layout of the dungeon already. Well, I, yeah, but I mean, you can make up other stuff too. You're not stuck to just the ones that are scripted. But yeah, yes. This one this one is very arcadey. The dungeon tiles are, are played randomly. You draw a tile and you place it, and then it spawns a monster and starts moving around. And you it's, it's, it's almost an arcadey style of game. Uh, and it looks like this one is new for this year also. It looks like a... It didn't come out last year, or it wasn't voted on last year. It it was probably not in the top hundred last year. It wasn't even the top five hundred. It didn't have a rank last year. Well, oh no, yeah, you're right. Because there's rankings from last year going way lower than 
100. So I guess it was that's strange. Let no last year the three D and D games that were out were right were grouped uh, together. So this one's not showing up on the list because of that. I see. All right. So number nine. Uh, excuse me. Number ninety eight. K two. This is one about climbing an Arctic mountain. You're uh, trying to get all the way up there and not freeze, and working with all your uh, with all your teammates, which is all meeples controlled by you. You played this one before? I've I've always wanted to. I've never played it. I've played this one once multiplayer. I don't personally own a copy of it, so I have no idea how to play solo. I've heard mixed reviews on it solo. Oh, interesting. Okay. Number ninety eight, Utopia Engine. This one is neat. Um, Utopia, have you played Utopia Engine? I have not. You should play Utopia Engine. Utopia Engine is unique. It works entirely with two sheets of paper and a pencil and a couple dice. And the way it's working is you are a inventor in a fantasy world and you are attempting to create the Utopia Engine. You have to go around to the various locations to build up the resources you have and encounter things bad guys adventures and do stuff but entirely works with two sheets of paper so it's a disposable game really in essence you could do a little bit of work to make it not disposable but it's only two sheets of paper so it's a disposable game and you're keeping track of it by writing down on the sheet what you've done and what you're still going to do and has an interesting uh ranking method as it gets more difficult as you continue going along and you use more things i, I it's it's neat you should really try printing it off sometime if you have a bit and give it a shot Okay. How long does it take to play? Is it a quick game? Uh, well, I think it took me 45 minutes to do, so no. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not a quick game, but fortunately, I think, I mean, it, it was in the sweet spot for me, because 45 minutes to an hour is what I yeah. like to see in my games, usually. Okay. So it was in the sweet spot, and I did enjoy it. So Utopia Engine. Okay. Uh, next one is Between Two Cities, another new new one from Stonemaier Games, which I did back and recently got. Okay, I hadn't backed it, but I had re- picked it up recently. And seen it on the list, finally got me to play it and try it out. Did you play it solo? Yep, I've been playing it solo. So far, I haven't managed to get any of the people to play it. I've played a lot of uh, multiplayer. It, it was a huge hit with my game group multiplayer and with my family multiplayer brought along with me for Thanksgiving. Um, I've only played it a couple times solo so far, but it seemed to work pretty okay. It has the normal Automa system, so you draw a card and if you're playing with the with the full solo experience so it has an automa system so you draw a card and it tells you what the other player is going to do and you know they might draw this tile or they might want to do this one or in the end they may just want whichever one gets the most points which means you'll might be spending a lot of time calculating how many points you get but honestly that's what you'd Mm -hmm. normally do for yourself anyway and if you're playing both sides so that that's what they'll do anyway for themselves yeah, it, it still plays pretty quick with the Atama system. It, it's it's not bad at all. It takes a little bit of getting used to, though. But after a couple of plays, it's pretty mm-hmm. smooth. And even without the Atama, there's a basic solo game, which you don't have to worry about where the AI places them or what tiles they place. You just draw tiles and place them. And, and even that's yeah. pretty fun. It's way quicker, too. So yeah, I agree. Uh, number 95, D-Day at Tarawa. Tarawa? Tarawa. Tarawa. Terrible. I don't know. I do not know this game. I know. Well, I know of it. I think there, there's a game called Dida at Omaha Beach, which is higher up on this list, and um, it's based on the same system. Moving on, Caverna, Cave Firmars, Uwe Rosenberg's uh, Agricola 2.0. I guess you can call it the more advanced version of uh, farmers. Try you got some tro- some sorry dwarf mm-hmm. farmers who are digging out caves and harvesting lots of stuff, lots of pieces. 
really deluxe. Even the base game is super deluxe. Wow, okay, yeah, I've not played that. I've wanted to get it. But I believe that has no randomness, and that sort of scared me it off. It does have no randomness on what the other players does. Well, I think that there, I think there's randomness when you're playing solo. I have never played the solo because I don't own a copy of it, because it is an expensive game. Oh, is it? Oh, this is the one that brings parts enough for like four it players. It brings parts enough for four players, and it's got very nice meeples and very nice tiles and very nice punch board tokens and, and lots of really nice parts. But it's marketed a little bit expensive for my tastes. So, okay. Someday, Someday. Yeah. I know my game group has a copy of it, which is where I've played it before. So, oh, okay. enemy action, Ardennes, Ardennes. Ardennes. Normally, I'm a little bit more careful to try to get the French pronunciation correct, like Troy, but I don't actually know how to pronounce it. Google, help! <laughs> now, this this war game came out this year. It is a big monster game. I think it's like 120 bucks, which is going to scare people off. Bucks. But it, it was designed by yeah John Butterfield designed it. That is a monster of a and game. That is. It's a two-player game or one-player game, and you can play the, the Americans or the Germans. And it's designed so that you can play either side solitaire, which is pretty neat. So, so it's almost like two games in one. So if you think of it that way, it's a deal. Wow, the box looks like it's from a novel. Yeah. <laughs> and this game, and if you're not familiar with John Butterfield, he has designed quite a few other games, including the solo games. Didn't he do um, Ambush? I think he did. I don't know. I've not heard of Ambush. He, um, John Butterfield designed uh, Ambush, Conflict of Heroes of Solid. Well, he helped design the Solitaire expansion. He designed D-Day at Omaha Beach and D-Day at Tarawa Beach. That's okay. I don't think we need any more. Moving on. Moving on. Space Alert, number 92. Space Alert. Um, and this is, normally when you're playing multiplayer, this is the chaotic game where everyone's trying to make sure that their ship doesn't explode because you got left, right, center, you got enemies coming in and you got robots trying to take over and you got to keep pushing the button to make sure you don't get a screensaver because that's the way it works. Things going right, left, and center and it's just absolute craziness. And when you're playing alone, you don't have that craziness of having to work together with everybody. You now just have the craziness of all trying to work together. Um, This one's dropped 46 rank from last year. That's a big change. change. I think, personally, this is because of XCOM. And when you say dropped, it's actually, it's actually a oh, better rank. Oh, it's a rank. better rank, so never mind that. This one has actually come up 46 points from last year. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea why. Math is the winner. I win for math. <laughs> it's come up 46, and I'm surprised because I would have expected XCOM. Where's, where's XCOM on here? Is XCOM on here? XCOM is way low. XCOM is all the way at 141. So XCOM is all the way at 141, and this one went up this year instead of having XCOM eat away at some of it. I'm a little surprised, because I was expecting XCOM to eat away at some of this popularity of Space Alert. Cause, yeah, I know nothing about this one. Because now you have all the hecticness of... You still have something else interacting with you, which you lose out when you're playing solo in Space Alert with XCOM. It sounds like the same sort of issue that you get with Escape. When it's when you're playing cooperative with, with friends, it's very chaotic, and everybody's doing stuff at the same time and talking to each other and asking for help. When you're playing solo, all that goes away. It's just chaotic and solitary. Number 91, Firefly, the board game. Game of you in a spaceship trying to run around and kill stuff and achieve objectives, get a lot of money, and win the game. Play this one yet? I have not. It sounds interesting to me. I'm not specifically a fan of Firefly, but I like the idea of of pickup and delivery type space games. 
I've heard it's a really big game, though, a huge table space. It is a huge game because it's got decks and decks and decks and decks and decks and decks. Every single place has its own deck. Every single type of thing has its own deck. It's got a bunch of decks of cards. Now then, we are, after all, talking about fans of Mage Knight, so we, we are aware of things that take a lot of work. But <laughs> this one has a lot of decks, takes up a lot of table space. Uh, and in my opinion, goes really slow. Takes takes a long okay. time to play. Um, I mean, there's there's not a huge amount of dramatic tension going on, and it can take a lot of time to process a t- to to process a turn, to process a game, and go through it. But it is what it is. That's Firefly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just doing very brief reviews, so that's that. I think we don't want to get briefer because Pandemic Legacy. <laughs> I have not played it yet. This is this is a game I'm excited. I about, have not though. played yet either, and I'm a little. I mean, it is shooting through the ranks on regular BGG. It's up already in the top ten, maybe even higher. So I'm perhaps even a little surprised that it's not higher here, just being dragged along with all of the regular hype. I wonder if it's because you know people that get this are going to want to play it with friends if they if they aren't strictly solitaire gamers, and so they may not play it solo. I think it's solely because we haven't reviewed it yet, Albert. I think that's the only reason why. You know, maybe I think you're right, and I apologize. <laughs> next one out is Dead of Winter. Excuse me. Next one out is Dead of Winter, a Crossroads game, um, which wasn't at all in the top 500 last year and is now up to 89. What happened? Uh, it was new. It wasn't really? Dead of Winter was not a last year. So now this is game? from Plathead Games, isn't it? Are you familiar with that? Uh, just a little, maybe yes. <laughs> just a little, maybe. And I know that there's an expansion for Dead of Winter coming out at one point in time. Oh, neat. So, okay. Are you a fan of Dead of Winter? I've never played it. I don't know anything. I know about it, but I've never had a chance to play it. Well, I can't tell you a thing about the expansion. I'm not okay. allowed. My lips are sealed. Fair enough. So, that's Dead of Winter. Uh, I mean, I personally am surprised because I think the whole crux of the game is the betrayal mechanic, and you lose that solo, so I don't know. Le Granha, a farming game from Sto- uh, from Stronghold Games, uh, multi-use cards. Um, this looks like a game I would be a huge fan of because I'm I'm a big fan of Bruges, um, and I'm a big fan of Feld, and I like Uwe Rosenberg games, and this seems to mix a lot of those all together. I haven't had a chance to play it, so I can't talk about it. I can't either. I've seen a lot of the solitaire games on your table geek just lately, but I've not played it at all. Mm. Fire in the Lake, number eighty-seven. That's right. Now this is a GMT War game, part of their coin series. War. What it isn't good for. No, it's a great game. They're interesting. All these games in the coin series are four-player games, and it brings bots for the other three if you're playing it solo. Yeah, when I talk about I haven't really played war games solo, this is the sort of stuff I'm talking about I haven't played. I haven't played it. So I've never played any of these type of games. I can't really talk about it. So on to B17, another one that I can't talk about. This is a much older solo war game, and this is designed for one player. This is probably from the 80s, I think. Now then, this one did have a big drop. This one was 35 last year, and now it's into 86. Maybe its age is catching up to it? Maybe. That, that, I mean, that's a big surprise, because yeah, I know this game is well-loved. It, it is similar in style, in a way, to, to Hunter's U-Boat game that came out uh, earlier last year. Maybe it's related to that. I don't know. Something or maybe it's just that there's so many options. I don't know. Eighty five because we're doing lots of war games. Memoir forty four. I haven't played this one solo. This I've, is a surprise because it doesn't have solo rules. This is where you're playing both sides. 
And ah. I think that's the first game on the list like that. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, it appears that that sort of idea is less popular because this went down 18 ranks from last year. Interesting. Okay. Uh, next up is Legends of Andor, which is a, a role-playing ad- adventure quest, which is actually a puzzle game uh, where you're attempting to make sure that you don't take too many actions, otherwise you run out of time. All of the tension in this game is against a time clock, which essentially summarizes why it is that I'm fed up with Legends of Andor. <laughs> and I've heard this is a really popular game, and if I remember correctly, Misfall that we talked about last time is based par- partially on this game. Oh, is it? Was, yeah, that, that yeah. makes sense about that time clock thing. Yep. And, and I think up until recently, none of the expansions were available in English, and now at least one of them is. I think so. I don't know. So for fans of that, that's that's good news. Next one up is Samurai Spirit, which had a huge jump, and I think that's because it just got more released and more people are seeing it. This is a co-op game where you are these uh, were animals, were warrior ninjas, um, who are attempting to save a village from being overtaken by villagers. And so you have to draw cards, and each of the attackers is a number card and a type of thing they do. And so you put on the right side or the left side the type of defense you're doing and stack up, and you're trying to make the right number of cards and so you can launch your special superpower and keep control of everything and not have them overwhelm you and destroy the fields. Samurai Spirit. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But I I've played it seen once. other people play it. Yeah, I played it with a group, and it's been a while, but I, I remember we lost really quickly and really badly. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Maquis, um, which I've played a lot in app version. There's an Android app, which is Maquis, and I've played that a bunch. Uh, Maquis is you are part of the French Revolution, and you can. it's a worker placement game on a map where you're trying to put everyone around to make sure you have enough to fulfill one of your randomly drawn uh, objectives. Okay. I think that summarizes it. Have you played Maquis? I still haven't. You still Sorry. haven't. I still no. haven't played Austerity, and I really still want to play Austerity. <laughs> Anyway, so Maquis, uh, which was actually a winner of a print-and-play from a couple of years ago at this point in time. Um, and it's now it's dropped on the rank some, probably because of age and because it was now a couple of years ago that it won the print-and-play. Um, next one up is Magic Realm 81, which is another old game. That's right. And this is probably a game I will never get to play, just because it is so expensive you try and find a copy on eBay. And I've seen people make their own print-and-play versions of it, but again... That's still super expensive to use because of the number of cards and bits that you have, including small counters and whatnot. And yet, for some reason, it went up 100 ranks. It's wow. up from 181 to 81 this year. No clue. Next up is Rose and Boats, which didn't make the list at all last year. Oh, wait, Rose and Boats is new, isn't it? No, it's an older game, but I think it was just reprinted, possibly. Neither like of us my, my friend local game store just had a copy of it recently. Oh, did they? So this game's been on forever, I think. All right. And I think this is just a Euro game where you're trying to make roads and boats. Mm-hmm. They, they talked about it recently on the Low Player Count podcast. If you want more information, go, go over there, and I think we talked about playing it solo. Oh, okay. I don't remember who it was specifically. Next up is Silverton. I don't know anything about it. Oh, that's a neat game. It's a train game. Set in Colorado, I believe it is, in the during the Silver Rush of that area. So I guess it was in the eighteen hundreds. Really neat train game. I like this one a lot. Very cool. 
uh, Le Havre. And this is a Nuve Rosenberg game where you're trying to get ships uh, moving around them on the board and control, or excuse me, you're not trying to get ships. Well, I guess you are trying to get ships. You're trying to get ships to collect resources, to buy buildings and change resources to other resources, which use those resources to get more resources and make money and have the most money by the end of the game. I've never played it. Resource conversion game. I have played it, um, and it was fun. I, I like the the, sh- the way the board is set up with the ships going down the tile. I, I, I liked a lot of the components. It was fun. Okay. Combat Commander Europe. Another war game. I have played this one, and I actually even played it solo once, the first time I played it to learn it. Um, this is a neat game, actually. It's a lot of fun. So when you're playing it, um, you could, you, you're not really playing, so you're just controlling both sides. And it's just fun because it tells such a great narrative when you play the game. It, it's just a fun experience, a fun time to be had, even if you're not playing to win specifically. And for some reason, this one also is having a huge jump. It was 348 last time, and now it's 77. Yeah, that that is interesting. These huge jumps are so hard to account for. It has nine votes total from the look of it. Oh, so you're saying the only reason why I have these huge jumps is because there's so few voters? Well, maybe last year had one or two votes, and this year it has nine, and that would make a big difference. Maybe. Is is my guess. I don't know. It's it's so hard to say. Very hard to say. We need more voters. Mm Mm-hmm. We need a statistician here. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Uh, Next one up is Suburbia. Uh, oh, excuse me. The next one up is Ambush, which we talked about before. That's right. Another John Butterfield war game. This is an old classic. It's a single-player game with hidden information. So you, as you move to Hex, you then look up in a chart to see what chapter to read in the book. You go to the book and read the chapter and find out what's going on. So it's a kind of war game you couldn't play repeatedly because of that, but it's, it's a fun game. It's a great narrative again. It's interesting. Next one up is Suburbia, which is a Euro game, tile laying, uh, trying to build up your city so that the different tiles interact with their neighbors, you make money. And when you're playing against a solo opponent, so he'll follow some scripts to get extra powers and try and beat you up and get more money than you. I have not played this one. I think my store had it on sale now. Oh, really? I really like this one. Uh, there's, it's, there's the second one that got uh, released, which is... Um, Mad Castles of Mad King Ludwig, and I personally still prefer Suburbia, um, much more over Castles, and I like it, and I like the solo game of it. Okay. Now, there's another game in the same series, right, besides Suburbia? Castles of Mad King Ludwig, I was just talking about. No, but there's another that's more like Suburbia. There's the... Same subject, similar subject matter. Oh, yes, there is, but I don't know what it is, because it's not the same designer. Okay. Maybe that's the one that was in the store. I don't know. Next one up, Enemy Coast Ahead. Sounds like a war game. game. Yes. <laughs> this is about busting dams. I've played this one once. Um, I find it hard to understand. I wanted to go back and try more. I just didn't have the time again. It's interesting because you open the rule book and the first thing it says, to play this game, ignore the rule book and just use the flowchart. So why do I have a 50-page rule book if it tells me to ignore it? I guess you use it for reference. <laughs> No, when I played it, I found the flowchart was very confusing, and I still need to go back and read the rulebook to actually understand it. So no idea. Maybe it's just me. But next one up, Merchants and Marauders. This is a piracy game where you are on a ship trying to move around and take over other people. It well, not take over, I suppose. Trying to shoot down other people, buy, sell goods and trades. 
um, a big box game. There's a lot of lot of moving pieces in this game. I've never played it solo. I have no idea how you would play it solo. There's a variant for it. I know that much. I have no idea what the goal is in the variant, but I've heard it's fun. Next up is Galaxy Defenders, and I've only seen this one played. I haven't actually had a chance to play it. Uh, you are part of a space, a, a space, um, not space cowboys, space marines team trying to take over a base and prevent it from being marauded. You're trying to defend it from alien attack, and you'll get to equip weapons and move around the board and shoot things. Very much action figure move stuff around the board. Okay, I've I've never played this one at all. I don't know if you, I've seen I don't it played. Think I've heard of it. I've seen it played. Okay. Next one up is Defenders of the Realm, sort of like Pandemic, but not. I played this one once. I did not play solo. It was fun. I had a good time with it. Yep, it's essentially Pandemic with a fantasy theme, I think. Yeah, but it's not. Eh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> it, it borrows. It borrows a lot, but it's not. Yes, that's fine. Yeah, that's a thirty-minute description right there. Thirty second. Thirty second. Nations. I like this game. I have played this one. And We're not talking about like Nations, Nations Dice, Dice game. game. We're not talking about Nations no, Dice it's, game. It's like it, but it's it's bigger and more complicated. Not a lot more complicated in, in how you play necessarily. Well, a little bit more, but uh, a lot more choices in the dice game. How about this next one, Time of Soccer? I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that one at all. But I found it interesting that there's a few other sports games on this list. You know, I'm curious enough. Let's look it up real quick. Uh, one to four players, in fact. You control a football team along one season of this game. You'll have to sign football players and club employees like coaches, scouts, community managers for this. Manage the economy of the club. Sign advertising and TV contracts. Every week you'll compete in the city for the best football players. At the end of this, you'll earn an exciting match where the level of your team will be considerate. I have a feeling they didn't mean considerate there. <laughs> Something got lost in translation. Probably. But I know nothing about it. So it appears that in this game you are a team manager and you are attempting to make sure that your team gets enough money to keep going and goes up the rank and wins. Next on the list... Okay. Zulus on the Ramparts. Um, I, have, I had this game briefly, I think. And this is a States of Siege game, by Victory Point Games, mm -hmm. one of the earlier ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this one was also took a hit on the ranks. It was 34, and now, now it's on a 68. Interesting, okay. Double the score? Nope. Lost. <laughs> Half the score. Well, but the, the rank, that double. Double the rank. Yeah, but that's not a good thing. <laughs> Next one up is Runebound. I don't know. Now, I wonder if this is the second edition or specifically or what. That's interesting because Runebound was just republished. And it must be the second edition because it was just republished, just republished. in the last 30 days. Yeah. So that's interesting. So I wonder how the third edition will fit this rank next year. We'll see. Next one up is Yggdrasil, uh, which is a game where you're attempting to control different uh, ancient Greek gods to ensure that, or yeah, ancient Norse gods, excuse me, to ensure that you are able to have enough power to win for whichever side it is that you're aligned with. And this is basically a States of Siege game. It's the same kind of mechanic where you got five tracks and you're trying to keep them from advancing too far, right? In that there's five evil guys you're trying to stop. Mm -hmm. 
And so, it's, so I think it's very State to Siege like. It's a neat game. It's much more complicated than most State to Siege games. Next one up is uh, contained in a piano box Kingdom Death Monster. <laughs> I didn't know that about this game. Kingdom Death Monster is contained in a piano box. This is one that was a Kickstarter game, and it literally shipped in you with a warning do not lift. It weighs too much. It is huge. Huge game. Very expensive. Took forever to get released, but it's out. Rank 65, I have a feeling I will never actually lay eyes on it because it's so expensive and huge. Unless I go to a con. Uh, we're up to... Next up is Conflict of Heroes, Awakening the Bear, which I believe you've got and are playing. Yes. And as, as a matter of fact, I played the... It, they just released a solitaire expansion for it. It's normally a two-player game originally. And now they have a solitaire expansion that has an AI that is supposed to be pretty intelligent and move around and, and fight well. I tried it for the first time the other day. I played a, a turn trying to understand the rules, and it's interesting. I look forward to playing that more. And that's probably why it's gone up in ranks a bunch. Last year was 153. Now it's yeah. 64. I think so. I think that has a lot to do with it. Next up is Fields of Fire. I am not familiar. Again, it's a war game. It's a, another... It's, it's a GMT game. It's a few years old. The original rulebook was really confusing. They're going to keep giving me these war games until I get familiar with it, aren't they? There's a lot of them on this list. Next up is Thunderstone Advance, a deck-building game that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a neat game. But it, it's a little... I thought it's a little long for solitaire play, but, but it works well. Well, it's dropped in ranks now from 19 down to 62. Wow, so this was in the top 20 last year, and now it's not anywhere near the top 20. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Next up is Mistfall, which is 61. They jumped in at 16. That's interesting. That's with 15 votes. So I guess people really like it. I, I wouldn't have put it at 61. <laughs> okay. But I think everyone heard uh, my, my opinion on it last episode. So if you want to hear more about that, look at last episode. Listen to last episode. Yep. You'll hear what we think. Or at least what I think. I don't think we got much from you. Yeah, I think I'm not going to play it. Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's just too much effort on my, for my part. I'm sure it's a wonderful game, but... There it is. I tend to. I need to play lighter games. Castle Panic. Speaking of lighter games, that's. A, I like that game. That's a fun game. As a matter of fact, I wanted to play it today. I almost did. Oh, I'm sure you're someone to play it with you. Yeah, yeah. We ended up playing a few other things, but um, this is a game where you're you're defending your tower. Your castle is being attacked by monsters, and they're slowly advancing, and you need to keep uh, hitting them and attacking them. And it's a very basic game. But as soon as you start adding the expansions, it gets much more interesting. As a matter of fact, I didn't like it without the expansion. And as soon as I added it, suddenly it became a real cool game. Next one up is Ottoman Sunset. I believe that's another war game. Yep, it's another war game. It's another State of Siege game. It's a really good game. I ended up having a little bit of trouble with it because it felt a little random in one aspect. Um, one specific aspect, and that was kind of frustrating. But but it is a good game, and I've went to play it again actually. Next up is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, mystery game trying to do trying to solve a mystery. Yep, that's right. And it's a neat game because it's it's paragraph driven game. You, you get some clues at the beginning, and you start investigating the clues by going around town, and you open up a directory or read a a newspaper trying to get clues and figure out where to go and that sort of thing. Next one up is a Touch of Evil, the supernatural game. Which, again, I mean, this is one of those ones that I'm surprised to see so high up because I think it's it suffers in solo play that you miss out on the tension of having questions about who's betraying and who's actually helping. But, you know, you're attempting to 
prevent the touch of it from being overwhelming you. It's a co-op game. I have not played it. Lord of the Rings. Um, this is the older cooperative game from Raynor Canizia from 2000. And I keep confusing this with the deck building game, which I always imagine there's many other people who did. Yeah, maybe so. And they got the same name. Next one up is Tiny Epic Galaxies. And this is one that I got, and it's a light uh, dice-rolling mm-hmm. game where you're trying to use your dice to give you the options of which actions to take to move around the board and conquer planets or colonize planets and get more points and get more points before the solo AIs, and there are various solo AIs in the box, can get enough points to beat you. Mm-hmm. And I think it plays nice and easy and light. It's a lighter game, but it's pretty good. Space Empires 4X. I have never played this. This is interesting. It's a GMT game, and it's a bigger game. I think it supports one to four players, and there's a couple scenarios that can be played solitaire. I think they're not solitaire specific. I think they're cooperative. Sounds like a war game. I've never tried it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's from GMT. So next up is Nations the Dice Game. I'm happy to see this one is higher up than Nations. Um, I I prefer Nations, ooh, but this is more accessible. You. It's because it's a deeper game. It is a deeper game, but I think that if I prefer a deeper game, I have other options for what I prefer. And I like having the lighter version of the game. Um, my wife really loves this most because she always beats me. <laughs> always beats me. I have not That's beat her still. I like it. <laughs> uh, we play this one a lot. Um, but it's a lighter dice rolling game where you the, the dice are your mechanic for what resources you have to buy goodies and upgrade your uh, empire. Nice. Next up, fifty-two Shadows of Brimstone, Cities of the Ancients. I've not played this. This looks neat, though. It's a dungeon crawling game in cowboy time with monsters and Cthulhu and that sort of thing, and dimensional gates. It's got minis. It looks nice. Yeah, it's got minis. Descent, Journey of the Dark. I've played this one, but I've never played mm-hmm. it with the solo variants. This is a lot like Shadows of Brimstone without cowboys. Indeed, and it's nice to. <laughs> it's funny to see them right next to each other like that. It is now, now. Now, Descent is actually not a really a game you could solo normally because there's a. I think it's called an Overlord. You're basically somebody like a dungeon master or something. So, so he controls all the monsters. And I think. Well, I'm not sure how this is played. I think. Monsters. I think there's a solo variant with a card draw. I think. Now, my understanding was that was specific to like one adventure or something, but I don't know. I really don't know. Anyway, find out more. The Hunters, you talked about this one earlier. I did, that's right. I mentioned this one. This is a, a war game. And you're, you're playing a German U-boat, and it is a very, very dice-driven game. Um, you have some choices in here, but honestly, it, it's all down to the dice in the end. And so, again, you're playing for the narrative of this game. Because as you play, you actually write a log of all the ships you've attacked and what you sink and all that. And when you're done, you get an interesting story. Next one up is Mice and Mystics, the Platinum Games uh, co-op game of mice trying to conquer the evil witch who has poisoned the king. Mm-hmm. And this is a nice game with some cool little mouse minis, some really great looking boards and art. I think that this is a very attractive game. It looks really nice on the table, and it's very good to play with kids. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a pretty simple. It's a pretty simple uh, dungeon crawl game, is what it is. And they just came out with their uh, plat hat. The the just came out with tail feathers, which is not at all a solo game. Not yet. That's right. But if you have my submissions, you can use it with tail feathers, can't you? Yes, you can. 
Did you get tail feathers? No, I didn't. My sword just got it the other day. I saw it. It looked really pretty. Next up is D-Day at Omaha Beach. Once again, you talked about it earlier. That's right. It's a war game by John Butterfield. Next up is Zombie Side, which is a co-op game where you are trying to beat the zombies and run around the board and they're attracted to noise. And for some reason, if you have a friendly person in the same space as you, you always shoot them. Oh, I've never played. I didn't know that about them. Yes, you do. It's to make it harder to shoot at the zombies. So for some reason, no matter how many zombies are in the space with you, if there's a friendly person, you shoot the friendly person. Just because that's the way the game plays. I don't know. I I was not a huge fan of it, and I did definitely I I did not like the art. No, this is this is the one that for me says zombies are just out. So is this a fast playing game? It is a relatively fast playing game, but it takes a while to play. Okay. Next up is Cruel Necessity. Okay, this is a, another Victory Point State of Siege solitaire game. This oh. came out kind of recently, and it's done very well. It's got a lot of complexity to it. And in the interview with Alan Emmerich, we talked about this briefly. Darkest Night from Victory Point Games, which is the co-op game where you are a council of mages and other uh, supernatural-type peoples trying to prevent the necromancer from uh, invading and taking over the darkness. I've played this a couple times. I unfortunately don't own a copy. This is one of those ones that I'd love to get my hands on because it was a lot of fun the few times I've played it. I I, I liked it. Um, it, uh, it. It's not been... The one it's Victory uh, VPG has recently been doing where they've been doing Kickstarter full release games instead of their laser cut games. Um, so this is one of the ones that's still a laser cut game, and you can sort of feel the difference in tokens and things. But I liked it; I thought it was a lot of fun, and it oh, went up in the ranks to this year. Also, interesting. Okay. Next up is Labyrinth: The War on Terror board game. Uh, uh, this is a war game. It's not a coin game, but the, I think the coin games were largely based on this in the way they work this should just be a joke at this point in time if it's a war game i say war game and then i'm just quiet because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay let's try it out let's try it out. okay next up was field commander napoleon war game <laughs> this is again a, a war game that's designed for two players i don't know that there's any solitaire variant for it i, I can't doubt it so I think you're just controlling both sides it's the same system as memoir 44 i imagine that there was some solo variant or something came up because this is again something we see going up in the ranks from last year so i assume something changed i don't i don't know what it would be no idea. Maybe 17 votes on this one no idea next one up is d-day dice not really a war game um it's a war game it's not a war game. It's a war game. It's not a war game. <laughs> this is a, it's a dice game. You're rolling a dice. You're, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're rolling a dice to um, get extra combat bonuses as you move up across the field trying to, to overtake objectives. Have you played this one? Yeah, I, I like this game. I've had fun with it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree. Nice fun like game. Mm-hmm. Um, Rally Man. Racing. That's right. It's a sports game. I have not played this one. This is really popular on solitaire games on your table. I believe it's basically beat your, your high score sort of game, but it, it's fun because people make challenges on, on the one-player guild and to see who does best. So everybody plays the game solo and compares scores. I've wanted to get it. It's got these really cool-looking little tiny, tiny cars in it, plastic cars. Next one up is Sylveon. We talked about this one briefly. It's a new game by Shady Torby. Relatively new. It wasn't on the list last year at all. Didn't we review this one? Did we not review this one yet? Did we? Yes, we did. We did. And I had some rules wrong, and, and you corrected me during when we talked about it. Yeah, and I talked about how it is that I think it takes up way too much space, and I don't like it as much as I like Onirim. Yes, you, you did mention that, and you were having trouble. Have you beat it yet? Yes, I beat it. 
Good. I have beat it. I can say at the very least I beat it. But I still don't like it as much as I like Onibrem. And I'm still cautious about playing about getting Cassellian until I read more about it because I didn't like Sylveon. If you if you like Onirum, I think you'll like Castilian. Okay. I think so. I'm gonna borrow it or something, I think, this time. Pandemic the Cure. Alright. Um uh, I like this one a lot. Yeah, this is a huge this is a huge one in my family. If you talk this is when we review this one, I talked about how this is the one that goes with me whenever we go to visit places. Pandemic mm-hmm. the Cure. Big plus. And, and that's still true? Still true. I still bring it with me. We brought along with me for our recent trip to Kansas, and we played it. Actually, we went. We ended up going to Baltimore, Maryland at the end. But when we recently went away for Thanksgiving, it came along with us. We got a bunch of games in on it. It's still great, and I really want expansions. Please. <laughs> Please, expansions. You know they're going to happen. Well, he already told me that they're going to happen yeah, by he being the designer, waiting. Matt Laycock, but who says when? I want the expansions now. <laughs> what happened? And what is up next? Glass Road. This is another Uwe Rosenberg game where you are doing action selection by using your cards to pick which actions you're doing. And in multiplayer, if you overlap cards with another player, you get to tag along with them and get an extra action. In solo, it's a little bit more random about what it is that you get. Uh, I've been playing this more in the app version because I'm one of the beta testers for their app. Oh, nice. Okay. So, and that's coming along very nicely for everyone who's looking forward to seeing the app version of Glass Road. And you're playing on Android. I am playing on Android. I play on my Android tablet and my Android phone. Both of them look very nice. Both of them work pretty smoothly. I can't tell you when it is that it's going to be released, but it looks nice. It works. I won't say. I I think. Well, I think I actually prefer. I mean, Glass Road is, is because you have a lot of little spaces. It actually works a little bit better on a bigger space. So. Mm Phone is a little small for it. But that's Glass Road. And okay. it went up a little bit. Warfighter. It's a war game. And I, I have not played this one. That's right, war game. I'm silent. <laughs> it's a it's a game from Dan Person. But I don't know much about it at all. Okay. Lewis and Clark. I think I reviewed this one here. I'm a big fan of it. Um Heavy, intense we, game, which really We should mention really we're up to 36, but 37, right? No, 36. 36. Because everybody's lost count. We're up to 36. How can you lose count? It says it right there. Yeah, but I don't think we've been saying it. Oh, you're right. Okay, we're up to 36. Losing Clark, number 36. I reviewed this one. This is a heavy, thinky, planny game um, where you're attempting to in a number of turns, because really there's just a turn counter if you're playing solo, but you have a number of turns to be able to get enough actions to be able to get all the way from basically to get enough points, but to get all the way across the river and the mountains to explore all the way across. Um, I actually think this game plays better solo than multiplayer, and it's a lot of fun. Nice. Forbidden Island, a light co-op. Where's Forbidden Desert on here? I'm sure it's a... Oh, I it's can't say like, yet. Okay, fine. We won't say that. <laughs> but we have Forbidden Island. You know what? I'm going to just say. This is 35. Forbidden Desert is 33. Wow, those are really close together. They used to not be nearly so close together last year. Last year, Forbidden Island was 27. Forbidden Desert was 45. Now, Forbidden Desert is 33. And Forbidden Island is 35. So here, the switch. Forbidden Desert eked out a little bit above Forbidden Island this time. Mm-hmm. And they're both fun games. You know, if you want something lighter, go with Forbidden Island. If you want something heavier, go with Forbidden Desert. 
It's not a heavy game, but it is Forbidden, a Forbidden Desert is still very light. It is. It is. I, I, for me personally, Forbidden Island is too light for me, unless I'm playing with like young, young kids or really new mm-hmm. people who don't want anything. Forbidden Desert is pretty much the sweet spot for me for a lighter co-op game. And sandwiched in between those two, we have... Agricola. A, a neat game. That's a really neat game. It's like, at this point, it's pretty much a classic, isn't it? It very much is a classic. Farmer Meeple game. Yep. Mm-hmm. What makes this great is all, all choices you have. Misery Farm, if you listen to some other podcasts out there. Oh. <laughs> right. Um, so next up is Forbidden Desert and then Infection, Humanity's Last Gasp, which I heard at one point in time is going to be getting an app version also. Mm-hmm. They've been working on that for a while. I don't know the state of it, though. I don't know. I'm actually looking forward to the app version. I've seen that they had some video demos going on. I don't actually own a copy of the game because I figure this is one of the ones that I play a lot more in an app form. It, it would work really well as an app. It yeah. really would. But in this one, you're attempting to research and find the cure for uh, the super virus before the super virus manages to kill everyone. The video versions of the app look really nice. The regular board game looks okay <laughs> no, didn't this didn't it come out for iphone already did it it maybe it did no How maybe it wasn't they? ever available on android no they're supposed to be coming out to android i asked them did, okay, they would never lie to me else? people don't lie to me people lie to me all the time that's what comes with being a lawyer is people lie to me all the time <laughs> has made its way to the ios oh Anything about an Android release coming? No, please. No. Uh, from what I remember, there wasn't anything for for Android. Anymore. I was kind of disappointed about that too because, yeah. Oh. I'm an Android user. Well, that's annoying. Fields of Arl. Um, and I know that the low player count is huge on this one. I don't have a copy of it because it's huge and expensive again. They talked me into getting it. Did you play it? Not yet. It's huge. It's huge. It's got a ton of pieces. This is. I want to. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with the punching of it. You well, let, let me tell you. You pick up a sprue, you poke it. Then, yeah, but once that happens, then I get to organize it all. So you know what it, to do with the huge. punching. You don't know what to do with the organizing. Yeah, honestly, that has kept me from wanting to do it. I kind of want to like make some sort of custom insert just to, to organize it before I punch it, but. Well, if you ever decide it's too complicated for you to want to punch, just you know, you can give it to me. <laughs> Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Um, this is a co-op game that you are attempting to rescue the slaves from the plantations and free them while avoiding the slave catchers. Historical themed, uh, made by a teacher, so it's just dripping in, in all the history and the text to be able to really teach. Um, and it's really doing very well as a co-op game, as a solo game too, it seems. Mm-hmm. Next one up is Thunderbolt Apache Leader. War game. That's right. It's a war game. This one, part of the Leader series, does very well. I tried one game in the Leader series, and I didn't enjoy it. I think it was the subject matter didn't interest me. It was Modern War, so I haven't tried any of these others. But they're apparently really popular. They're apparently really fun. Next one up is Dawn of the Zeds. War game? Uh, it's a States of Siege game, and those are all war games for the most part. You are fighting zombies as they're attacking your city, so I guess you could call it a war game. It's a little bit of a stretch. I think that if I'm going to play a war game, this is probably going to be the first I'm going to get. Maybe when the next edition comes out, I'll see if I can get a copy of it. Now, the next edition 
they, they just got the pre-release, you know, the, the version before it goes actually gets published. They got a copy from the publisher. Did you see the video that uh, Victor Points Game did? I did see the video. It looks really good. It really does. That, that game looks fantastic, and it's amazing how much stuff you get. It had like four rule books, I think, in it. Somewhere. Indeed. Five. <laughs> so Indeed. It's nuts. We will have to see. Hopefully, we can get a copy yeah. of it. We'll see. I was not able to kickstart it, unfortunately. Uh, next one up is Pathfinder Adventure Card Game Rise of the... Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Next one up is Ghost Stories, which is a co-op game with a 3x3 tile-based random setup where you are a set of monks attempting to fight off nightmares. Um, it does have an app version on iOS that I've played before, in addition to having a... This is supremely challenging, very difficult. Okay. You know, I, I cannot get into this one. I've tried it a few times, and I don't know. For me, it just feels too abstract. Really? I like this one, actually. I yeah. think Ghost Stories was a lot of fun. I know it, I know it's really popular. People like it, and the challenging aspect sounds great, but when I play it, it falls flat, and I don't know why. Like that. Oh, sadness. Just a moment. Yeah. Who fell flat there? My book. I'm reading curtsies and conspiracies. Hmm. We'll have to share. Sounds like a big book. Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. Reasonably big. It's young adult, but I'm okay with that. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, and that was Ghost Stories. Next one up is Pathfinder Adventure of the Card Game, Rise of the Rune Lords. Uh, have you played this one, Pathfinder Card Game? I, I tried it once solo. Again, it fell flat for me, but I only played it once, and I think it would have, I would have had a much better experience if I tried it multiplayer. This unfortunately, you know, this unfortunately for me goes in the category of not Shabbos friendly. i got to write a bunch. And if i got to do that, it means I'm really unlikely to get it. you got to write? I don't think you have to write in this. You have to write to keep track of the stats. No. No. No, you just have cards and everything's in your cards in your deck. Well, how do you keep track of your strength and upgrading that? Um, you, Your character card has a strength ability. If you level up, you flip the card over to the other side. Um, if you find sure. equipment, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing in the rules that I read about that. Um, I've seen other people writing on their cards. I don't know why. Well, maybe, maybe I didn't understand the game, and that's why I didn't like it. Oops, and I just gave it away. Can I have it back? <laughs> I've seen other people write yeah. on their cards. Okay, I, I may be wrong, but I didn't think that was necessary. You may want to double-check if, if you thought the theme sounded interesting. But, I mean, it's a neat game because you know, what, what's cool about it is you play the game, and when you finish Adventure... You have a character that's made up of a certain number of cards, and cards that you found during the adventure, you could add them to your set of cards. So, from game to game, your character is developing. Very cool. And that's a neat, new and neat uh, idea. And I know that I've seen some other spin-offs that are going to be doing similar things about uh, card games. So we'll see how those come out once those actually hit retail. Next one up is Star Realms, which is the mini deck builder game. I believe that we have reviewed it here also. Um, and it's a small little deck builder game with the center card row 
and you are attempting to get your spaceships up and buy them and destroy the other players' life points, or what they call, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it's called, but uh, this is a fun game. I still play it regularly on the, on the app, daily. Yeah, you're a big fan of this one. I am, and and there should be a new expansion, standalone expansion, coming out any day now, I think. Yeah, I actually gave away my copy of this one. Did you? Okay. I did. Yeah. Next one up is Legendary, a Marvel deck building game. Okay. I have I have never played this. See, the theme I've never played the I've never played the legendary one. I've played the legendary encounters one. What is that? Uh Legendary Encounter is an alien deck building game. Okay, we're not about to, we're not allowed not to allowed talk about, about that. One. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Well, anyway, <laughs> Legendary, which is number twenty three, um, it's a deck building game, and the, you're right. The theme is kind of ridiculous because you're buying with fists and punches, and you're buying enemies to help you out, and the theme doesn't yeah. really match real well. But it's a it's a light it's a it's a light deck building game that you can play with other people in order to just get get through the whole deck and be able to beat the bad guy. It's a lighter, simple deck building game, co-op mm-hmm. deck building game. Uh, next one up is Baseball Highlights twenty forty five, which is number twenty two, and we're almost up to the top twenty, guys. That's right, and yeah, this is interesting. It's another sports game that's set in the future, in the far distant future. And I've been interested in this one. It looks neat. I'm not specifically a sports fan at all, actually. Twenty twenty one is Shadowrun Crossfire, and this is the beginning of the legacy game idea. Um, or this is the highest I think we see a legacy game idea on this list because you actually are attaching stickers to your characters in this game as you level them up and you give them more powers and growing with your characters. And this is set in the cyberpunk future as you're attempting to do stuff. I'm not so familiar with it. Um, I, I played this one. It's 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 different. Not everybody likes it because it, it's... The theme is not very strong in the game mechanics. Is it not? Okay. No, it, it's very light theme, but I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. This one also, unfortunately, I, falls to the not shop is friendly problem because you can't do stickers. Uh, I, I, you I can't have, do stickers? You can't do stickers. I have to have a dedicated okay. group before I'm going to get something that is not shop is friendly. I'm, I don't have a dedicated mm-hmm. group for this one. Okay. So that's this one. And so next we're up to... Now we're in the top 20. 20. Top 20. So this is what everybody's been waiting for, if you're waiting. And we'll probably have to tell people where to skip to. Oh, yeah. Good point. Top 20. And for those of you that join us right now, just for the big reveal of the top 20, welcome aboard. Glad you're here. Number 20, Imperial Settlers. Yep. Uh, this is a neat game. I like this game. I do like this game. I haven't actually played it solo, but I played it a couple times multiplayer. Um, and the idea of this one is you get the various different factions with their different decks, and each faction is going to play slightly differently just because of the way that their deck works and what it is that they can do. And so they'll be bringing out buildings and constructing it and getting resources and trading those resources in to get other buildings and getting points. And it's a race to see if you can get the most points in the short amount of time. I think the only real question I've had with it is whether or not the various decks are balanced. But assuming the decks are balanced, the game is a lot of fun to play. 
in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is published by Portal Games, uh, and they do a lot of playtesting. I think so. I imagine they are balanced, but they're so different that until you've played a lot, you're not going to know how to play different ones well necessarily. Because some are a little more complex, definitely. Some are more complex, like the Japanese, for example, are are much more difficult to play than the Romans. And I have a lot less success playing with the Japanese than with Romans. So, I don't know. Mike, is that an issue with me or just an issue that it's unbalanced? I don't know. I've heard people say both ways. It's balanced for me. I lose with all of them. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't count. (laughs) Next up is 19, Arkham Horror. Okay, this is a classic game too. At this point, right? This is well. I don't think this is a classic game. This is oh, this is. I'm sorry. Arkham Horror is a classic game. It's newer. uh, It's newer sibling. Eldritch Horror is not such a classic. Arkham Horror Mm -hmm. is an old big game. Lots of stuff going on. This one still not so streamlined. Mm -hmm. This is merry trash at its finest. I think. Yeah. Lots of bits. Lots of rules. Lots of dice rolling. And this is the one that I convinced my friend to give away in favor of Eldritch Horror. <laughs> to give away, wow. Well, I mean, not to. I don't think he actually gave it away, but <laughs> okay. To to let go in favor of Eldritch Horror. I just couldn't. I, I couldn't handle in, in comparison with Eldritch Horror just how not streamlined it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. clearly, a lot of people still really like it because it's already up, up at nineteen. And we haven't seen Eldritch Horror now that you mention it. Hmm. hmm. I wonder where it could be. Hmm. It's probably Maybe down, it didn't make it. Probably past the 100s. Yeah, no, probably okay. didn't make it. Next up is Viticulture. Ooh, wow. Okay. Look at this. Viticulture shooting up to 18. Yeah, from 159 last year. Well, I think I think that Morton hadn't released the Viticulture. I, I think that the solo stuff for Viticulture came out only in the release of Tuscany which is the expansion for it. And only recently did he release the uh, solo digital version, the the digital deck for the Viticulture base game. And so I think that those releases are what's shot it up so high, but this is a, this is a very, um, this is a deeper complex game and it's all the way up at 18. And I'm surprised that just simply releasing the solo games would have shot it up all the way up to 18. So, Wow. Mm-hmm. And this game got uh, thirty votes. Do you know how many votes total were were done this year? How many people voted? I have no idea. You'd have to ask Kevin. I wonder if you look it up. I think it was around one hundred and fifty, maybe. I would say that. How is that we have three thousand people in our guild and only one hundred and fifty vote? Sock puppets. Must be. <laughs> Where is the... I'm letting you take the time to look up. 159 new voters and 46 people that voted last year. So 205 total votes. If I read that right. 205 total people voted this year. And 30 picked this game. So it's about 1 in 7 people thought this game was one of their top favorites. Okay. Next up, number 17, Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Ah, very well deserved. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing I was thinking. This is a neat game. This is fun. 
I think it's very thematic. Very thematic. I mean, in terms of the co-op games, this is one of my favorite co-op games because, I mean, this is something you can just pick up with with almost anyone and they get very involved in the theme of firefighters trying to rescue and the fire just overtaking and rescuing people. And the random die roll, it it gives attention to every turn of the game and they they have a bunch of expansions come out. I haven't got to play the newest set of expansions yet with the sub... And the uh, I think it's the airplane. And the, the, so the newest set of expansions I haven't yet played, but great game, very good. Mm-hmm. And it's very accessible. You know, my son was trying to teach people when he was five years old, and he and he actually did an okay job of teaching the basic game. So so it's very accessible. A lot of people could play it any age range. Next up is Stodonia, which is piercing the top twenty. Mm-hmm. Stodon- Number sixteen. Stodonia is a. Um, Normally a multiplayer Euro where you're attempting to clear away rubble and build train tracks all the way up to the top with an event bag to pull events out of the bag and see what the weather is and what's going to be occurring. Um, Have you had a chance to play this one? Yes, I I have. I like this game a lot. I covered it in the podcast, I think, about a year ago, actually. Yeah, it was last last December. Um, And it's a fun game. It really is neat. Uh, Very brainy, very puzzling, trying to work it out. And I think this game does well because there's there's a few different expansions and each one really changes the feel of the game around a lot. I unfortunately have not had a chance to play this one yet. Hopefully I will sometime. I played a multiplayer and I found it less satisfying because I was used to solo game and being able to control things and when you start adding people, actions you're expecting to take still disappear. How dare they? <laughs> it's frustrating when you're not used to that. That's not the same game I learned. <laughs> How dare strange, those people. But it's a good game. It Very rude of them actually playing yeah. with you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> next one up is Elder Sign, number 15. This is a light dice rolling co-op where you're trying to roll the dice you need to get the symbols to beat the areas that you're going to to collect Elder Signs to lock away the uh, great old ones, the goose. Mm-hmm. And this one didn't change much. Last year it was ranked at 18, so it climbed three. Yep. And I'm not surprised. Neither am I. I have this one both app version and physical version. I like both versions. <laughs> this is okay. this is a rarity for me because I have both versions. But <laughs> do you I like have the versions. expansion? I do not have any of the expansions. Okay. I think I have one of the expansions in the app version, but I don't have any of the physical versions. Okay. But yeah, I like this one. This is a this is a fun light dice light dice rolling game. Um, I do like the, I do like the feel of being able to roll those dice and be able to get what you want. But it moves quicker on the app version, which is nicer for a pickup game. Yeah. Navajo War number fourteen. Oh, war game again. <laughs> war game. That's right. Um, this is a this is an interesting game. It, it, it's almost not a war game because it's not covering a specific war. It's covering a few hundred years of history and. and general conflicts are going on, but this is a really neat game, very unique mechanics, and it's got a a bag you're drawing cubes out of just like uh, Snowdonia, trying to figure out the events and all that. It's a really cool game, it really is. Very innovative and very fun. I haven't played it in a while. The problem with it is that you can't just pick it up on a whim and decide to play it again. Just because it is a pretty complex game. Yeah, I actually tried to figure out how to play the game based on the Vassal uh, version of it. Oh, that was a fail. Mm. 
this game is is hard to learn. Yeah, it definitely it's is. Difficult. Next, but it's worth the effort. Next up is Sentinels of the Multiverse. Um, this is a version that I played with a friends a bunch in physical, and I own the app version of it. Um, in this game, you each character is a hero, and each of the heroes has their own deck. Um, so it's built with you, and each deck plays very differently. Each deck does something very different about how it is that you can get powers and do different stuff in the field. You know, you can power up or protect others or mess around with what it is that your opponents can do. So each deck plays very differently. Um, the only issue with it in physical is because there's a lot to keep track of with the different dice and statuses and modifiers. And when you're playing with the app, all that's taking care of you, which is one reason why I very much like the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also a lot of fun, even physical. I just feel like with the physical version, I, I want other people around to help me keep track of everything that's going on. Yeah, I've played this one a lot. Uh, in the physical, I don't have the app version. And yeah, it definitely could be fiddly to track all that. There's an app that'll help you that you can buy. It's not a free app, but it'll help you keep track of one character's abilities. But what I love about this game is that there's so much variety. You know, you, you, There's an app that I do have that's free that you could... Uh, Draw up a random set of heroes and a villain and, and a location, and and every time you change a combination, it's amazing how different the game feels from one game to the next. Mm-hmm. It really is. How many do you have? Do you have any expansions? I have all the expansions. Yeah, all Ooh, sets. Everything. Well, everything. Yes, I, I like this game a lot. Wow. The the last expansion I did not back because that one has um, villain groups. You, you why did you back it? Because it's it's mainly about having uh, multiple villains, where you have one villain per hero, and, and I don't mind the bookkeeping that comes in this, but that's way too much bookkeeping for me, and too much time. It didn't really add much else otherwise. I think I might have had a couple locations, but didn't really add any heroes, so I, I decided to skip that one. And maybe I'll buy it later. But we'll see. At this point, I have enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know also, by the way, that there is the free version of the Sentinels uh, app. If you it, ever want to try it. I haven't tried it. I should try it. Well, there's the free version if you want to give it a shot, which is uh, the Sentinels Learn to Play. And so it's just an opportunity to try out the app with the basic version. Um, and if you want, you can buy the full version. Okay. But, yeah, I like the app. I have the app with a bunch of the expansions. I don't know how many. I picked and choose. Because you can just you, you can you can be a bit more granular about what what it is that you pick with uh, the app. I see. Next up is at the gates of Loyang. No movement on that one since last last year. This is another um, well loved farming simulation game, and I've heard a lot of people say that it's a lot better in solo than it is multiplayer. I've actually only ever played it multiplayer. Mm, okay, this really I agree with them. It, it definitely is better solo, and this is at number twelve, by the way. The uh, the reason I like it better for solo is because, you know, in the multiplayer game you have this phase where, where you pick what cards you actually get to pick that turn, and everybody takes turn playing a card until they draw two back into their hand for that round. Um, that is replaced with a tableau where you're drawing card from, and which cards you pick affect what cards will be available in the future, and you gotta decide whether you want to buy a card now or wait till it's cheaper, and there's a lot more decision making in that more decision-making than the multiplayer game, and I think that just makes it a lot more interesting. Very cool. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's a game where it, it feels like the, 
there's a solitaire game, and then they took some of the mechanics out to make it work multiplayer, <laughs> yeah, which is exactly the opposite of what we always hear. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so the next one is Space Hulk Death Angel. And this mm-hmm. is the one you said earlier. Briefly. What, yep, what was I, the, I like this one. What was the next one that you said was coming out? You said there's something similar to it, Now I want to look it up. Oh, there's a Roombound game that just came out that is, from what I read briefly, it's based on this It's What was the name Don't, of that one? Uh, Warhammer Quest. It's a Warhammer Quest game. Because I know that there was the old Warhammer Quest game. Yeah. The, and I don't really know anything about this. I, I think somewhere I read that comment. Maybe I'm totally misunderstanding it. Uh, hopefully. Well, we'll see. I, I don't see it anywhere on BGG. But talking about this game, the Cursed Red Die. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this game can be so swingy for me. This is a game where you have a card row of your units. You have aliens that are coming out and trying to kill your units and the the way it works was you have this one red die and you roll the red die and if the red die is equal to or I think equal to or less yeah uh, equal to or, exactly. I think it's yeah if it's equal to or less than the number of aliens in that row so then your guy dies and it's just a single die roll that does it so the game is really swingy for me and yeah, every I feel like so often I'm in the game. I'm like I'm doing well, and all of a sudden I just get hit with a string of zeros. <laughs> and it's not like like normally if you if you're rolling a fistful of dice, so it all it averages itself out. But I'm not rolling a fistful of die. I'm rolling a single die, and each time that single die can mess me up. Oh, yeah. Gosh. And in this game, as soon as you lose one of your marines, it, it gets much harder. Yeah. And every time you lose a marine, it gets exponentially harder. Yeah. From there on, so so once you lost one guy, you you're gonna lose probably. But what I like about the game is that even through that, it's it's a fun narrative. Again, you know, even when you know you're doing really well, and all of a sudden, two turns later, the game's over, and all you guys are dead. And what happened? Just just going through that, that that just it's it's a neat narrative. It's neat to go through anything sometimes. So frustrating for me, neat narrative for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens. Next up, Legendary Encounters, an alien deck building game. Wait, this is at number say what? 10. Say what? Legendary Encounters and Alien <laughs> Deck Building Game? Were we mentioning that before? So, oh, that's it. it did make it. <laughs> <laughs> so this was at 10 versus the 23 for Legendary. And I think one of the reasons this is because they took a number of extra mechanics from Legendary and added in some other things. So you have different sorts of aliens and different things going on on the board and a, a couple of different extra mechanics. And it brings extra immersion and extra depth to the game that I feel was more missing in Legendary. Legendary was very basic and just sort of a fun romp, and Legendary Encounters is much more skillful and strategic. Um, it's still not really my fa- It's not actually my favorite deck builder game because it's you can still lose some of the theme going on. Um, but yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I played it once multiplayer. It, it was fine. It, the theme didn't excite me. I don't know why. I enjoyed the Alien movies. <laughs> Next up is Gears of War, the board game. Let's let's not confuse you. It may say war, but it's not a war (laughs) game. This is actually based upon the video game Gears of War. So you are uh, one lone guy trying to go through and beat off bad guys. This is another um, mini fighter game. I don't really know what you call this sort of game. 
Uh, oh, maybe a dungeon crawl even? Dungeon crawl even? Oh, yeah, it's a dungeon crawl. Okay. Okay. Uh, have you played this one? I have not played this one. I know that it's now out of uh, out of print and never going to come back into print. Yep, because of the license issues. So we will see if the, if that ever causes it to drop. I think that potentially nostalgia will continue to make people just be rocking all for it. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up when the announcer was going out of print, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I decided that people telling me that it's going out of print need not be a reason for me to go pick up a game. And it shouldn't be, and yet I did. <laughs> My son wants to play it, so at some point I'm sure we will. I decided that if it's really a great game, someone's going to probably do something else with a different theme to it, and it will be fun, and I will enjoy that, and I don't need to pick <laughs> this one up. So I'm okay. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right, so that was number nine. Number eight, Oni Rim. All right, this is a great game. It has a place in my heart. <laughs> I really like it. This a little nightmarish first... place in your heart. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's just it was probably like the first game that came out that I found that was you know true solitaire game in in the modern era of solitaire games. It's just a, it's a nice game. It's the first one in the universe. There's now three or four, depending on how you count. And I'd say this is even simpler than any of the current ones. I think it's simpler than Sylveon. I hear it's simpler than Caselion. I don't see. I don't know. To me, Castilian and this are not that different at all. Uh, I, I can't it, say it, I haven't had a chance to play Castilian, yeah. as, as I mentioned before. But I know it's definitely yeah. simpler than Sylveon. Yes, and so, definitely yeah. simpler than Erbion. It plays light, fast, and easy, and it's still an enjoyable game to play as you're trying to match sets and predict what's coming out of the board, and then deal with the curveball every once in a while when a nightmare pops up. Mm-hmm. Now you know he he mentioned he's got a, a series of like seven games he'd like to finish in the uh, Shady Tour with the designer. I wonder what the other games are like. They each seem to have different mechanics, right? This mm-hmm. was a card game. Sylveon is um, sort of a tower, tower defense, defense game, game. Too, right? Castilian is a tiling game. I wonder if he's gonna have like a dice game, for example. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Next up is Race for the Galaxy. All right, this is a neat game. I have played this solo. It's actually really not a solo game. You have to get the expansion to be able to play it solo, but that's worth it because it is—it's a good experience. And here's the problem for me: is that in terms of playing the multiplayer game, Race for the Galaxy for me was really undone by Roll for the Galaxy. I've never played that. So I've played Roll for the Galaxy, and it became really popular here locally. And for me, I think it's a much, much more fun game than Race for the Galaxy. I really enjoy a lot of the mechanics that are going on Roll for the Galaxy, but there's nothing solo available for it. And I just can't get excited for Race for the Galaxy since I really like Roll for the Galaxy. There's just nothing solo for it. Hmm, okay. Is it similar enough that you would need some sort of AI to be able to solo it? Like the Race for the Galaxy AI? I don't know. I mean, the there has to be there's dice there's dice going on and there's moving around about what dice is that you're using where. I I I mean it. I don't know. You would you would need an opponent though, some sort of AI opponent or something. I mean, I have not played the Race for the Galaxy solo. Okay. I've played Race for the Galaxy multiplayer, but I've not played it solo. So I don't know how much about the Race of the Galaxy AI is, but I just can't. I don't want to invest anything more in the Race of the Galaxy when I what I want to invest in Roll for the Galaxy. If only there'll be something solo for it. 
Okay. Well, for the Race for the Galaxy, the AI is different depending on what homeworld it starts with. Mm -hmm. You draw a random homeworld, and then you you get the AI board and you put different tiles on it, which can affect how the AI will play that turn. So if it's an AI that has a military world, most of its actions tend to be military-focused, and so it'll play that way. So it ends up playing pretty pretty well. I mean, it could be that something like that will work. You have to figure... I mean... I mean, you also have to assign dice to it, and you don't know what those dice are going to be. Mm. So it's not as much open information. Okay. In Roll for the Galaxy, but I don't know. I just want them to make it. I want them to make a soul of a game for Roll for the Galaxy. I will get it. I will get it if they do it. I will. But they haven't. Next up is number six, Eldritch Horror. There it is. I think we discussed this back in number 19, but yeah, here it is. It's the better version of Arkham Horror. Yeah, you know, I think I agree with you. I hear people throwing things at me. I'm not quite sure, but I think I hear people throwing things at me. I, I mean, at the very least, for Arkham Horror, there are three people who said it's their number one. So I, I definitely know there's someone throwing things at me. Okay. Oh, excuse me, there's seven people who threw things at me. <laughs> But only one person said it's the number one for this game. Is that right? There are seven people who said Arkham Horror is the number one. There are six people who said Eldritch Horror is the number one. So there's a little uh, bit of a war going on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I have Arkham Horror, and I really like it. And then I played Eldritch Horror, and I said, you know, I think I like this better because the theme makes more sense to me. But I have no interest in getting rid of my Arkham Horror. Yeah. Other Tour is just, it's, it's, just it's a much, much better game. And it's just a much, mm -hmm. much better game. Every time an expansion comes out, I, I read about it and I say, oh, that sounds really cool. That makes sense. So. <laughs> Next one up, number five, Pandemic. Now that I'm surprised that this one popped on up. Last time it was number 10. Last year it was number 10. Now it's number five. I wonder if this is because it got pushed up because of Pandemic Legacy? If it got pushed up because of some of the recent uh, recent expansions, and it's only got one number one. I mean, for me personally, it's not higher up than a couple other co-ops, but mm. I, I like it a lot. I played it again recently. No, I'm not saying I don't like it. I do like it a lot. It's just a matter of does it deserve to be higher than some other co-ops that are on this list? You know, but. With 205 votes, maybe there's not enough people for it to be very accurate or consistent. I wonder if that's true. Maybe, maybe 205 is not enough people. Maybe, maybe. But that's Pandemic. Next one up is Lord of the Rings, the card game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now this is the living card game. And I think this was my number one. And it is now ranked as number four. And I like this. And you know, when I first played it, I think for this to be a good game, you do have to buy expansions. You can't just buy the base game. Mm -hmm. Just the base game doesn't have a lot of options. But when you start adding expansions, and each expansion is a new adventure to play through, or a few new adventures to play through, and they all play so differently, it's like Sentinels of Multiverse, you know, depending what heroes you get, the game feels real different, really, really different. It's the same thing here. Mm -hmm. And there's adventures you could go through that, that uh, reenact with different books, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings stories. And there's other adventures that are just very different. And those adventures come with a game? 
it, the game brings three adventures out of the box. Then they got the, the large expansions, which will bring three more adventures, as well as some player cards. And then after each each of the large deluxe expansions, there'll be um, a series of six small expansions that are just one deck of cards. And each of those decks is, is one adventure plus player cards, more player cards that you get. And so at this point, I think there's probably 70 or 80 adventures. Yeah. Maybe seven or eight adventures at least, if not more. Oh. And again, they all feel very different. It's surprising how different they feel. And they keep innovating the game and, and adding up new ideas to it to make it interesting. And so so for this to rank that high, I think you really need to have some of these expansions at least. Um, next one up is Friday, number three, and what would be my number one. Okay. This is this is actually the one that got me into solo gaming way back in the first place. Is Friday. This is a light, simple. This is the, this is a deck building game that I really like because in this one you're encountering objectives and deciding if you want to bring it into your into your deck and how to beat it and what to do. And so I think there's there's crucial decisions all throughout the game as you're trying to build up your deck enough to fight off the pirates in the end. Mm-hmm. That is a new game. I love the art in it. Mm-hmm. It's fun art. The, the only problem I have with it is those awkwardly shaped cards. <laughs> it is, and the box doesn't match any other box in my house, and it doesn't fit one shelf. But other than that, it is a great game. <laughs> That's why it only got number three. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, and the, there's two more left. Any guesses on what they are? I could take a guess. <laughs> but you can Number two, Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island. This is a, another neat game. I like this. This is such a heavy game. Mm-hmm. This is this is a very good game. I like as part of this, you have the story unfolding. As things happen, you have a choice if you want to put it back in your encounter cards and you may find it again later have to interact with it again later and so the story of the game develops and the experience of moving it out develops and all throughout it you have the scenario cards and mm-hmm. yeah, each scenario card just changes the way the game feels too it's amazing how different one scenario to the next could be right and yeah, I expect that there's going to continue to be new scenarios put out. I mean, there have been a couple that have been put out that are just print in place. And it's amazing mm-hmm. how how much depth each one of those makes and how new and fresh the game it makes. I even recently saw a co-op, or I'm sorry, a competitive um, scenario come out that based on the Hunger Games. Um, oh, wow. Which I haven't had a chance to play, but I mean, just in terms of the bits that come into it and all the different stories that could come out of it, in, it's just a great game, great, great game. And I think when we talked to Ignazi, he said that uh, they are, they do have a Cthulhu expansion in the works. I don't know if it was already. It was, I think it was already designing it. He's working on designing it at this point. Cool. And that should be neat because it, there's a few stories in, like Call of Cthulhu, especially where somebody's in a boat and suddenly the island pops up out of the middle of nowhere, and they explore it a little bit, and then go insane and die, but. It's got an island, so that that would work really well here. And then the number one. We're not surprised, are we? I don't think there's much surprise. I didn't. Ex- I'm not surprised. I expected this to be number one. Mage Knight. 
That's right. Mage Knight, the board game, second year in a row is number one. I'm really waiting for something to dethrone this. <laughs> Something's got to do it. Please. I wonder if a game like Pandemic Legacy might. I don't know if it will. Because, you know, a, a lot of what's great coming out of this is uh, the the fact that you continue to have a lot of story as you're going through it. And there's something new for everyone as you move around the board. And there's a lot of thinkiness that you have to do it. You have to solve the puzzle. But at the same time, your character will really develop. You'll get different powers and there's different things to play with in different units and each game just plays differently. There's a lot that goes into it, a lot of knobs and buttons and things continue to change. Is it going to change? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. This game stayed number one, but two and three swap places last year. I don't know. I think that I was kind of hoping before I got Mistfall that Mistfall might um, be the thing to to get up there, but it didn't. Not for me at all. Nowhere close. Nowhere <laughs> close. Okay. Anything else you see in the horizon you think could? I don't know. I think V Commandos is something that I'm very interested in, but we will see. Excuse me. I we will know. see. So there we go. That's the top 100 games. Um, it was a lot of fun going through this list. The top 20 were really interesting. Yeah, thank you for uh, listening to us go through this list. There's definitely was there are definitely a lot of surprises on here, and definitely a lot of things that were not at all surprises. But you know, being able to go through this, I think that there's you could definitely look across this and say no matter what it is that you're looking for, there's a recommendation for everyone. That's right, and pretty much everything on this list is a good choice. That's a fair thing to say. But speaking of having a recommendation for everyone, we actually got an email. Oh, yeah. I don't think we often get emails, do we? Not too often. No, I got a a couple. I got an email from Jeff Coast. So I just want to say, you know, we really appreciate hearing feedback from everyone who's involved in this. And Jeff Coast was uh, nice enough to send us a quick email, asked me a couple of questions. First thing he asked is he wanted to know whether or not I was using the Kickstarter or the retail version of Mistfall for my review. Uh, Just to make it clear, I was using the, and I do own, the Kickstarter version of Mistfall. Um, And I did personally back it. And even still, I still, uh, I, I maintain what it is that I said. (laughs) <laughs> now you didn't uh, I thought about it after we recorded but you didn't really talk about the campaign of the mode of the game have you played that I have played the campaign mode of the game and I briefly did go through it one of the reasons why I didn't focus much on the campaign is because it doesn't come with the base box it's a separate edition that you have to buy and I mean if you want to give my opinion whether or not to get it I don't recommend getting it essentially what you do with the campaign mode is setting aside a a little bit of the wonkiness. The basic idea of the campaign mode is you pick out a set of scenarios and you'll then go through those scenarios one at a time. And each time you go through those scenarios, you get to take on an extra card from the last scenario as a reward and then move on to the next one. Now that the campaign mode has a couple of scenarios that come in a small deck box and a couple of extra enemies and a couple of extra advanced things. So, those don't have anything to do with the campaign mode. The idea of the campaign mode, essentially you're just playing three games one after another with an extra card from one to the other. Hmm. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't amazing. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it does add uh, more uh, adventures, you said, more scenarios. It, I, I, think, I think it adds an extra scenario. I think it adds an extra scenario. I'd have to look it up to see. Um, but the idea that, I mean, if you're getting it for the extra scenario, it's fine. So you can get a, it, double check and make sure it has it. But if you're trying to get it for the, for the um, campaign mode, I didn't have a huge recommendation for the campaign mode. It didn't, didn't matter. You could just play the same game three times and be just fine and not have to keep track from one game to the other. Okay. So that was that. And he was also looking for a recommendation. Um, he was trying to get a game that was shorter, about 45 minutes to two hours, which, like I said before, for me, that really is the sweet spot of how long a game is. I think that Mage Knight, which is a great, great game, I'm looking for something to throw in and have all of that depth and all of that building and all of that environment in a one-hour playtime. And you don't get that with Mage Knight. And so he's looking for something that would be sort of like that, but be closer to the one hour playtime. Mm-hmm, okay. But uh sort of an adventure game, dungeon crawlers kind of thing, but not quite. So I think that one of the things he said he was looking into would be an Eldritch Horror. I think the Eldritch Horror is a lot more simple than Mage Knight. A lot more simple, a lot shorter, uh, a lot more streamlined. So I think that if you're looking into Eldritch Horror, that would be a good place to start looking. Um, and I definitely know that you can post on the one player guild the same question, get a lot more answers from a lot of other people. But I think that for people who are looking for um, this type of game, that they're looking for an adventure that, that takes about an hour and um, is character building and character encounters and, and you're trying to do something. You, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm having I'm having difficulty quantifying this type of game. But if you're looking for something that is sort of like a Mage Knight light, for now, there's not really that much that really is the same idea of of really trying to um, build into it. I know that I mentioned that you know Utopia Engine. If you haven't tried Utopia Engine, really, I think you should give that a shot because it's a simpler game and it does have the character building that happens as you continue to go through it and build up into it. Um, But for me, really, if I'm looking for a puzzle that I get to build up my abilities and I get extra abilities and now I have to figure out how to use those abilities best each turn to do something, honestly, the next thing I turn to is actually Lewis and Clark. Okay. Now, it seems like he's looking for fantasy games. He also mentioned he really likes Lord of the Rings, the card game. I mean, it could be, but I think that I, I that's one of the recommendations I do, because with Lewis and Clark, you have your deck, and you get to keep adding on to your deck with a couple extra abilities and a couple extra powers. Now, there's no idea that you're meeting with an encounter, so it takes all of that out. So everything from there, but each turn you have to figure out how you're going to use your deck of cards, essentially your hand, to figure out what the best way is to use it, the most economically way to use it to get along and get points. So it still has that character advancement. Your character advancement is limited by what cards are available, and you're still having the puzzle of how to use it best. 
So for now, for me, if someone asks, I really like the idea and the challenge of Mage Knight, but it's just too much for me and too long for me. If you don't mind changing theme entirely, I actually have been recommending Lewis and Clark. Mm, okay. That sounds excellent. I'm not sure I have anything I can think of offhand. I'm going through my games, and right now I'm going to blank for some reason. Shame on me. Well, it's tough. It's tough. We really haven't seen anything that's been able to really get in there. Yeah. That's that's a thing. Mage Knight is it's a league of its own, isn't it? It is. Anyway, but I definitely want to give a shout-out to Jeff Cost and thank him for sending us an email. Yeah, thank you. And as always, anybody else who wants to be able to get in contact with us, uh, yeah, we're we're out there. I'm Jail Bird on BGG. And I'm Frank Loon on BGG. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.